no. I need to respond. I need to respond. I need to respond. Hello and welcome to episode number 100 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Friday, October 9th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where we're loading up on food and ammo and getting ready for the Biden apocalypse. And from America's left coast, where we are being told to mask up in between bites of food. I'm Ryan (laughs) Bimrose. I saw that. It's like, how does that even work? That, by the way, that is not shtick. Usually I write some sarcastic line or something. That is straight up what is happening. Gavin Newsom is just clowning the whole fucking state of California right now uh, with, you know, his his office went in ahead and actually tweeted. Uh, you know, I'll read it verbatim. Going out to eat with members of your household this weekend. Don't forget to keep your mask on in between bites. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Well, you can't keep your mask on in between bites. It would be you'd have to continually take your mask off and put it back on. And we know one thing, and that is the handling of masks is dangerous. So what they're you think asking he cares about to what's do? dangerous. He really only cares about whether or not people are obedient. <laughs> and they're they're They have been in California, oddly enough. I mean, it's very strange that. They've been kind of out of business since day one on this. Where in the Chicago area here, I mean, my wife's been back to work. Restaurants are open, at least to a limited capacity. You can go back, you know, the comic book store is open again. They're just limiting people going in. So overall, things are fairly, you know, not normal, but there's at least movement in a bunch of different sectors. In California, they haven't had any. Yeah. That's another thing California is never going to do. In fact, uh, you know, some of the counties were in danger of meeting the arbitrary bullshit requirements that they were putting in. You know, in order to open up, you have to have so many new, you know, new cases or less. And uh, so Newsom actually recently moved the goalposts again. Now he's in, he, he's actually, you know, it, it's kind of cathartic from a storytelling way. He's combining the two big stories all year. And that is he is injecting racism into his COVID open up requirements. Because now cities and counties can no longer open up until the case rates in the, quote, most disadvantaged neighborhoods and, quote, disproportionately impacted populations are (laughs) meeting new requirements. Well, right, because it would be racist to not let the areas that are actually having the virus open up. Um, You can't keep the. Yeah, it makes sense. Exactly. You know, the, the state is already divided down by counties and each county is deciding whether or not they want to open up on their own. But now each county, you know, you, you cannot open up the, you know, the, the rural side of the county be, until that one neighborhood in the urban side of the county is still. Uh, yeah, we must okay. punish everybody until it is clear. But I didn't come here to talk about California because fuck those guys. They're they're All the citizens of California, you're screwed. And and like Dvorak said yesterday, uh, you know, to an extent, you kind of deserve this for voting in the these authoritarian assholes, but uh, yeah, John C. Dvorak of the No Agenda program. 
the thinking ones are leaving and we know that. And as long as they leave and continue thinking, then we we're probably still safe and we'll get better people for it. A big grumpy old Ben's welcome to douchebag Pat in the troll room who said it's the first time he's ever listening to a live grumpy old Ben's. I mean, it may be the last. Oh, usually when, you'll you'll regret this decision. Yeah. Once you listen once, uh, you, you, people usually go screaming. But when we do these shows live at noon Eastern, you can find us at noagendastream.com where uh, you can hear the audio live. And there's a chat room where you can go in and have a little bit of fun <laughs> with everybody else listening. Tell us when we're wrong. It's instant fact check time and we dig it. But uh, yeah, the uh, episode 100, I know you didn't think we were going to make 50. So how are you feeling? Episode 100. I'm angry. You're angry. It's like, this is way more work than I thought. Actually, uh, it is. Oh, my God. My re- I did like five hours of research last night on this bullshit. There's too much stuff happening. Well, and you now, I think, start looking at the news in a different way when you're a podcaster especially when you're covering the kind of topics that we have. I mean, normally it was just going to be more tech based, but then the world went into a complete nosedive with COVID. And once all the, you know, the tech stories became secondary or what really became interesting, I think to both of us was how tech was going to be used for both a good and bad when it came down to medical reasons with the virus and how quickly it was used in a in authoritarian manner to track everybody screw with your privacy and uh you know basically uh, be big brother you know it's it's a weird I, thing it well there there hasn't been a technology invented yet that that somebody hasn't decided that they want to abuse well that's um, true when you know the the problem and, and there's so many places where people are like, I can't believe that people are doing this you know, with the technology when bad the technology. And the problem is never the technology. The problem isn't guns. The problem isn't all it isn't all these things. It's the people behind them. If if we didn't have if we weren't constantly putting people in power who are going to seize on everything they encounter and abuse it, then we wouldn't be fearing the technology. I would love to be able to have a device in my house that I can talk to and it gets me whatever I want. I mean, I kind of have one, but right now she's glaring at me. (laughs) So, well, I want to know, do you have one of the Comcast remote controls in your house? I I think so. I am pretty sure the battery's dead. (laughs) Well, that's good. But I did hear that story. That is good. I mean, I covered it. I heard it. I heard it on Red of Thoughts, I believe. Yes, I covered it there, but I wanted your kind of thoughts on this. I mean, I knew it was a grumpy old Ben's topic, but it was way too good not to talk about, especially the name. I loved even the name, the Where's the Remote, I think was the what they were calling this exploit. And for those of you who have one of these Xfinity slash Comcast remote controls, you know the one I'm talking about. There's a little button on it where for those who don't want to type and why. I understand it because trying to type text uh, typing these- on that little nine button pad is awful. Yes. So I get I, it. there. There's over a hundred fucking buttons on this thing. Why can't I just have a full keyboard? Why? Do, what is this nine pad thing? I don't know. But this is why people want to be able to push the button and just go friends. And then hopefully it finds friends on your DVR or when it's on or yep. whatever it does. Oh, yeah. This one's got that. But these devices, which this is what I thought was interesting from the manner of even if people 
the grumpy old Ben's experts of the experts, even if you wanted to be almost completely off the grid. Let's just say you didn't even have a cell phone. Let's say, of course, then you didn't have any of the talking tubes, none of the smart devices. You've never allowed one of these things into your home, but you have one of these Comcast remotes. You're still susceptible to have people listening in on what's going on. One of the reasons I was happy with that particular remote was the idea that in theory, it's not listening to you unless you're holding the button. Correct. And that's at least better than like, you know, I walk into the back room and I say the wrong thing and fucking Cortana pops up on (laughs) on the screen. It's like, what can I do for you today? I didn't understand that. It's like, because I wasn't talking to you, bitch. Yeah, I turned that off. That's the first thing I turn off on any Windows machine. I mean, that's. The other yeah, well, problem. it sure isn't on my Windows 8 machine, but I'm I'm not allowed to say what machine it is on. <laughs> so you're pointing fingers at perhaps no, your spouse at the cat or one of the cats. OK, yes, totally. The cats like Windows 10. I get it. But yeah, Cortana, I never really understood that on the desktop, but I know people use the machines for different things. So uh, I'll give you a, a pass if you're using Cortana. But with these devices, you're right. The concept was you had to press a button for it to listen and then would take that audio and try to do whatever it is you wanted with it. And I was just really impressed with the fact that they were able to use very cheap hardware, which was just an RF transmitter to push new firmware to the remote controls that allowed them to, uh, it was once a minute they were polling. So if you wanted to record what was going on, once every 60 seconds, the remote was basically gone. Hey, anybody want me to record anything? And if you said yes, it started it and it would record for 10 minutes and then I guess transferred the information over to you. I mean, it was a very who even wants that feature hackers. I, well, yeah, I, I thought maybe it was a consumer feature or something. No, I know mean, it still is. You know, they were talking about it like, well, it's still kind of the van in the front of your house thing because you had to be within. With the cheap gear, I think they said they were able to get it from like 65 feet, but they also said, okay, hey, yeah, but gear. what about with the FBI gear? Right. Well, either with See, the- I had, I had absolutely no idea that these remote controls even had an update mechanism. And frankly, right. it creeps me the hell out because I used to think, okay, this is just a, a, a device with buttons on it, like any remote control for the last 40 years. No, no, this is yet another attack vector. Yes. Why? Well, as is the using of RF rather than the infrared. And I I get why people want it, because that way your box can be hidden and you don't have to point the remote control directly at the unit to get it to work. Updates should not be so often that you have to enable it over the fucking air. Hello. Why? What? What what happened to? I want to flash the firmware on this thing. Let me plug in an RS-232 cable. Yes. I mean, the remotes out of the box only check once every 24 hours. but. What the hackers found was that you could figure out when that request was, and then you could hijack that and upload whatever you wanted to. And then with that new firmware, that changed the way the device works. But I mean, that's the beauty of RF is also its biggest downfall. And not only does it have to be, you know, the FBI gear, but I'm assuming you could have a battery operated, you know, Raspberry Pi or something and hide it outside somebody's house as long as that's close enough. You can make this or, or or with normal people, you have a, a transmitter in your pocket and you just get invited in because normal people in years that aren't 2020 
have guests over. Yeah. But I'm just saying, if you really wanted to bug somebody using their remote control, you could I mean, a, a, easily a do smartphone it. app and you've got a trans- transmitter in everybody's pockets. Yes. Well, and yeah, these apps now. Ooh, ooh. Can you imagine infecting the phone of a delivery driver? <laughs> well, there you go. You're moving around. Well, there's so much of this stuff with the apps now. We talked about at one point the amount of data that third party apps were scraping off of your phone. And everybody, remember, we, I think, exactly said, well, you know, who cares if that company that's making the flashlight app gets access to whatever? Well, now it turns out the IRS has been buying data from some of these people. Who, who gets that? Was gonna, didn't, yeah. didn't we cover that? Did I, did I only talk to you about this? I thought we covered this on a story. It was it was purely hypothetical at the time. But we were talking about data brokers. Yes. Which is is what popped up in this story. But go on. What we were introducing. Well, yeah, we talked about that on the show. Exactly this, because the concept was that with all of these permissions that people give all of these apps and don't think twice about it, you're like, well, why would I be afraid of them? You know, hey, I am giving this information to my insurance company. So that way, you know, I can get a lower rate. and I understand that i do that myself but i also understand they're getting data from my phone where i drive now yeah the reality is smart bends are the ones who are providing wrong data yes well you always lie yeah if if you can i mean that's the the way to do it when it comes down to the digital world sdk is for but now that we have some verification and this only took a few weeks it seems like we just talked about this a few weeks ago that the irs is buying some of this data from these companies, this is the biggest end run when it comes to privacy. We've talked about this before, just in the guise of, of talking about things like, well, you know, the CIA legally isn't supposed to spy on American citizens, yeah. but they uh, have and, the, and any any government agency is supposed to have a warrant before they pull this kind of sensitive data. Right. But you know who can spy on the United States citizens? Well, the let's just say British version of the CIA. So, you know, our CIA guys, they know their CIA guys, you know, so they pick up the phone and go, hey, can you tell us a little bit about this Bemrose guy? Now they don't even have to go to the other CIA type dudes. They just go to whoever made an app that's on your phone and like, you know, we'd like some information. I don't remember the British in this. Are we even talking about the same IRS scandal or are there is there more than one? No, no. This is all about data and where your data goes okay. with apps. But I'm just saying in the world before apps, if the government wanted to spy on their own citizens, quite often they would use a foreign government intelligence agency because that was legal to, for them to spy on American citizens. You know what I'm saying? So I, I am. And so here's what happened at the IRS was uh, the. Criminal Investigation Division of the IRS. These are the guys with, you know, that the, these are the guys that that investigate whether or not you're, you know, not paying your fair share of government theft. Right. They uh, think you've done something wrong yeah, and they want they to punish you. Yeah. And, and they're, they, yeah, they're the ones with the shotguns at the IRS. Um, they admitted at, at a hearing back in June that they had purchased location data from a data broker named Ventel. Uh, Ventel is a government contractor that buys location data from apps, uh, games, weather apps, e-commerce. Um, I, I, I don't know if they do the big social media ones, but 
they will buy location data. So any app that you have given your location data just for no apparent reason. Um, it, it, well, first of all, you know, if it's like, well, you need to turn on your location. Well, first of all, you shouldn't. You should never give your location data to some stupid app. If it's not actually a GPS app at that and, and you're looking at it at that very moment, it probably doesn't need your fucking location. But there's a lot of them that are like, oh, well, turn on location because we'll tell you, you know, we'll tell you about ads in your area or well, something. The weather's the big one. The weather's the big one, which I always turn it off because I'm like, it's fine. I don't yeah, care what I, part of the Chicago area I'm in. Just yeah, use I don't, this I don't code. want I don't want it tracking me if I if I want the weather in Chicago, I will type in Chicago. If I want the weather in Seattle, I'll type in Seattle. I'm fine with it. Plus, I don't usually move so far that the weather changes. I right. can just be like, oh, always give me Seattle and it's fine. Because even if I'm down in Portland, it's the same fucking climate. But anyways, uh, all of these apps, yeah, every one of them has permission to track your data. And whether or not the app needs your data for the purpose of doing the app things, it's recording it constantly. Um, they record to databases in the back and these app companies who are giving you usually free apps, you know, what did you think their business model is? Yeah, they get, they get money from ads, but they're double dipping. They are getting a hell of a lot of money from selling this data to data brokers. And they're not necessarily nefariously twirling their mustaches or anything. Cause the, you know, it's not like they know what the data broker is going to do. Well, this particular data broker, Ventel, uh, sold the data to the IRS, and that's that's their business model. They collect data from apps and they sell it to the government. Um, Completely legal. Yeah, it's legal, and it it is like you said, a total end run around the requirement that the government has, or the government cannot surveil you without a warrant. Um. So the CI was investigating a group of people. I don't know how many. Um, and they wanted to use the location information that they bought from Ventel in order to determine where the people lived. That what they do is they would, uh, you know, look at what, what, where were the phones at night and use that as a proxy for where they lived to see if they were dodging taxes by being in the wrong place or something. And well, I guess that's interesting because one of the big things with taxes would be where your permanent residence was. So if you're saying my permanent residence is here and you never yeah. go there, oops. Yeah. Or if you're saying, you know, my permanent residence is out of the country and yet every single night your phone is in, you know, San Diego, some some people are going to raise an eye. So anyways, they were trying to out people who were lying to the IRS and apparently the attempt failed. And that was the reason for the hearing. And the only reason the attempt failed was that the data that they bought. What did not include information on the group of people they were interested in. So at least the the people who are dodging the IRS know well enough not to install these apps. I right. guess. Yes, they're, but, they're grumpy old. If you're, you see, if you're dodging the IRS, you're probably smart enough to be a grumpy old Ben's expert. But Senators Warren and Wyden, oh, well, uh, Senator Wyden, Warren. I mean, there we go. Yeah, uh, and and Wyden of Oregon, who is probably my favorite Democrat ever. Uh because the dude absolutely cares about uh, uh, privacy and individual rights. Um, and all Senator they, Warren wants is to take all of your money away from you. Well, that's I said Democrat. <laughs> right. Anyway, I'm sorry. I was being repetitive. Yeah. But uh, they both looked at this during the hearing back in the day and uh, in June and said, uh, well, that's very interesting. But um, 
are you sure this was legal to buy this database without a warrant and get all this information? Because, oh, yeah, of course, the IRS still has the database, so they don't even have to buy it next time that they want to investigate people. They'll just start cross-referencing it. And uh, so uh, on the recommendation of uh, the offices of Senators Wyden and Warren, the TIGTA, which is Yet another government agency I'd never heard of, the Treasury Inspector General for Tax Administration, uh, is apparently an auditing group for government agencies, and they are now investigating the IRS CI division for illegal use of databases. Well, I guess the interesting question for me would be, when does it become public information? And what, I mean, because you're not really doing an investigation and looking into somebody if the information is public record. You know what I'm saying? There's a difference now between. I I, I don't think it's public. I think it's, you know, it was collected by a private. Yeah, but it was given up, sold to another private company, right? It was given up freely. And that company came, it was paid for. Well, with the data, it's an interesting concept. Money exchanged hands. And, and it was at no point was this data released publicly. No, but I'm saying the data was given to these app companies freely by the people that, had their data scraped because they're like, yeah, sure. Take everything. That's cool. So I'm not and, really and I, sure. It's still never been fully tested in a court, whether or not the, if, I mean, I, I don't know that you can necessarily say that the data was given freely. I don't believe that every one of these apps had uh, a, a, a confirmation dialogue says, click here to confirm that you are giving away freely, uh, you know, your exact location every minute of the day. Well, I bet they bet they did. They just didn't read it. Well, they might have it in the terms of service. Right. But I, I don't believe that that has been tested well enough in the courts, whether or not that information is is, you know, uh, is, is private. Or, I mean, uh, well, I mean, it, it has been tested in the court a little bit. Uh, a, a Supreme Court case called Carpenter versus United States in 2018, uh, where the Supreme Court and, and this, by the way, is the basis for the criminal, the investigation of the CI. Um, the Supreme Court ruled that uh, government agencies do, in fact, need a warrant to get cell phone location info. Now, that's not quite the same as information gathered uh, by your GPS and apps. Um, right. uh, this is the cell tower info. But um, in, in Carpenter versus United States, the Supreme Court slammed the door on police just pulling cell data from. Uh, you know, your cell provider willing nilly and deciding to track you that way. Now they and and the the new standard is that if they're going to pull your cell data, they need a warrant. So um, that's the the um, IRS didn't have a warrant for this particular investigation, which was why um, it was the, the question was, well, did it violate Carpenter? Well, it's interesting, again, because the, the people that seemingly gave the data up to the companies, the app companies, they can freely give that data to the IRS. Now, it's just, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes down because, you know, my guess is that the legality, even though very scammy on this, is going to come out being, well, this was perfectly legal. I mean, people freely gave the information, so the IRS didn't do anything wrong. But this comes down to, again, Everybody that has a cell phone should do an accounting of what apps they have and which each which uh, permissions each of those apps have. I was watching 
you know, as I was a little bit under the weather this week, I was watching a bunch of episodes of Silicon Valley and they were looking to push their program and they were looking at hacking uh, this big event, which was kind of like a burning man. And they're like, well, we just need to get our little piece of code on the apps that all these people are going to install because they're a part of this. <laughs> and the line was, well, yeah, but that's not going to help us because after the weekend's over, everybody's just going to delete those apps and we'll be back to where we were. And the one guy looked at the other one. And he's like, nobody deletes apps. And he's like, yeah. give, me, give me your phone. <laughs> Everybody look at your phone and see the amount of apps. It's the it's a very rare person that when they stop using an app, just go, oh, wait, I haven't used this in two days. I'm deleting it. No, they usually just languish forever. Well, it's a human. It's a human urge to be like, well, I might need this. Late. I mean, well, right. first of all, it's it's effort to go into the settings and and actually try to look for things to uninstall. Nobody wants to do effort. So it's easy enough. You know, if you're not out of drive space, fine, let it go. Yeah. And the phones but, are big now when it comes to drive service. And you know, that if also, you have an account, you're going to have to re-sign in if you ever want to. Uh, so it's a pain in the ass. I get it. Yeah. And, and there's, yeah, there's the impulse of, well, I might need it later. No, no, you're not. You don't. And, but, but, I'm, you know, Ben's know that. <laughs> I mean, if this doesn't get you to start looking at all of the apps you have in a little bit of a different way, then I don't know what will, because this comes down to the very simple thing that we warned you about, which is the government or other people are going to have access to your data without you wanting them to. And you're making it easy. That was I mean, one of the first things I remember when Facebook got big was somebody from one of those three letter agencies might have been CIA, might have been FBI that made a comment, which was. It's made our job a whole lot easier. <laughs> you know, this whole, oh, yeah. you have your friends list online. Oh, thanks. Usually if, you know, somebody was going to going to investigate me for a crime, they'd be like, well, who are his known associates? We have to do some real work to figure that out in a non social media world. That, that's something that the old timers on the police force will will always look back and be like, yeah, I remember back when if we wanted to know where somebody was, we had to follow them. Yeah. Not just watching their Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Well, and <laughs> well, shit. Half the time you want to follow where somebody is, you don't even have to get a cell phone data warrant or anything like that. All you, you just be like, oh, we'll just watch the public Facebook or Instagram or TikTok page, and we know they're posting from every single location they're at. It is a scary thing the amount of data that people put out there. We said that over yeah. and over again. It's not getting better. So, um, I have an Internet of Things story. Ooh, yeah, they have it's, been popular again. It's uncomfortable. Actually, everything about this story is uncomfortable. Ju not just the fact that it is yet another scenario where rushing out and buying some a connected online device, some physical device that is connected to the Internet that seems really cool because you're like, well, it's this thing that I've been using forever, but it's online and, and, you know, internet exceptionalism, that just makes everything different, right? Well, uh, apparently at least 40,000 people have bought a chastity cage. <laughs> I uh, saw this story. The, I had the, Oh, I had the name of this thing. Uh, but this, uh, the ultimate cock block. It's, oh, it's called a cellmate. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. You're going to prison, buddy. Here's your new cellmate. And uh, it, it, first of all, I have to I have to drop. I'm going to drop the uh, link. It'll be in the show notes, but I'm dropping the story link into the troll room right now. 
um, just because the picture of this thing, uh, that thing looks industrial. And uh, it, apparently it's hardened plastic, most of it, because uh, I guess you don't need that. But this is this is a cage. This is in case somebody, uh, you know, is not uh, up with with some of the weird fetish uh, chassis cage is you put your man parts in it and it prevents you from getting an erection and it prevents you from turning, you know, taking it off. And uh, this is marketed as a, a device that lets you give somebody else control of your body because the way it's supposed to work is you put this cage on and then you your girlfriend or wife or mistress or whomever you want to give control to installs an app and then they sync the app maybe before you put the thing on but whatever and that person gets to control with their cell phone whether or not you're allowed to have an erection and that's yeah, you know, this is a lot of people are into. I, I'm not going to kink shame. A lot of people are into bondage games. It's not for me. Uh, but the funny thing about it is that a, a, a pen testing group called Pen Test Partners discovered a vulnerability. In, of course, there would be penetration testing for this product. There, yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> not by the person who's in the cage. Right. Right. Um. So. Uh, actually, let me tell you how how this thing works, how the IOT part of this thing works. And that is that uh, all requests um, from your phone, if you, you know, the, the thing responds to Bluetooth, but it responds to Bluetooth with a particular code. And the only way to get that code is that you load up your app and you say, I want to unlock. And the app will send the I want to unlock signal to the company's remote servers, which coincidentally are located in China. Uh, And then the server will send back the unlock code and the app will transmit that code to via Bluetooth to the cage and the cage will unlock, Uh, which already is an instant problem. If, if you completely discount hacking, what if the server goes offline or the company goes out of business? While these well, are if locked. the company goes out of business, you've been wearing that goddamn thing a long time. But <laughs> if if you're wearing this and the server goes offline, you're not getting out of it until the server comes back. I'm just saying a concern. But um, pen test partners discovered a vulnerability that allows an attacker uh, of the app to get the name, GPS coordinates, and quote personal details of every single user of this device um, in and includes getting the device code. Now the device code can be used to register or unregister a phone to a device. Um, how does this work out then? Well, uh, somebody, anybody with access to the app and knows about this vulnerability can now go out query for every single user in the world get their device codes and then send back disconnect the device from the app. Now, somebody wearing this thing now has no way to get it off in either way. Um, you know, there there is no there's no manual lock or unlock option. They did not build that into the device. They just assumed that if you ever wanted to lock or unlock this thing, the server would be up and you'd always use the app. But the result is that if you you know, uh, somebody malicious who doesn't care, know about you can just send to everybody in the world or somebody who is malicious 
can get near your device and you know query to get the device code for it, lock the thing, and then erase the device code from every app. And just the idea of, well, you're now stuck in this thing. Um, so there were uh, there were two workarounds that were posted for just in case, you know, the, in case you happen to get locked into this chastity cage and really, really want to be able to use Mr. Friendly at some point in your life. Um, one of the workarounds is to partially disassemble the device. You have to take a panel off and then uh, pull out uh, another panel and get access to the circuit board. Um, this is, you know, and, and this sounds really, really uncomfortable and difficult. Uh, well, it's currently in, in that position. Um, but once you've got access to the circuit board, the recommendation is to put a battery up against two wires. And there's a picture in the article <laughs> and that battery will trigger the unlock motor. So you go around the circuit board and just trigger the unlock motor directly. And that will that that's their workaround for how to get the thing off. Uh, the other workaround mentioned in the article is a bolt cutter or a grinder. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I mean, I do. I do want to mention I'm looking at the company's website and the company is Q I U I. I don't know how you would pronounce that, but it's Chinese. You don't. Yes. Q I U I dot store. I'd like to just point out that their little slogan, you know how usually you have a company name and then like a little something, you know, like Google back in the day, like, you know, do nothing bad or, you know, whatever. Theirs is love hurts. <laughs> That's yeah. their slogan. And I also want to like point I said, I'm, I'm not going to kick shame. Some people are really into the, the bondage and, and or like orgasm denial and stuff like that. that. That's fine. I don't judge. You know me. I but, do also want to point out that the cellmate chastity cage comes in two versions, the short model and the long <laughs> and the short is out of stock. Just saying. Uh, well, they're my, are, does that mean they're selling to more Chinese or <laughs> just just saying I didn't want to go anywhere with that. I just okay, wanted to bring you the I'm, data and you the, I'm just going to leave it the expert at home. You could do the data analysis on your very own. Well. Like I said, I, I don't judge if, if somebody wants to do some kind of denial play, I'm fine with that. I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear about it, but that you do it in your own home. Fine. But if you decide to do denial play and connect it to the internet, that's fucking dumb. They do say they're actively looking for cooperation and business opportunities. So, I mean, hey, if you want to run you, some you know, ads before here. the before the internet, you could do this exact same scenario. It's called lock your shit and hand your partner the key. Yeah. Why is that a problem? I, I'm just not sure. Why do they have to have an app? Well, because, see, I think the next version of this will need to have the electrodes that go and then they can shock you, too. And then I'm sure it's that, all in good fun. Some though. people are into that, too. Yeah, it's all in good fun. <laughs> These are the kind of devices now that are going to get people in trouble. Not this specifically. But these are the types of things think this will. Well, OK, I don't know how many people are rushing out to buy this. I mean, I mean, Sir Spencer, I mean, probably already has a few, but uh, I don't know. Maybe your Dame uh, Memrose, maybe she already ordered you one for Christmas. This could be the big gift. you're I, getting. Like I said, not my kink. I could totally see getting this for your enemies. You know, you just drug them in a bar and then slip this thing on with no code and wander away. <laughs> yep. This is this by is the way, the, here's your bolt cutters. 
I was going to say, is this the new equivalent of taking somebody's cell phone and changing it to Korean? (laughs) Your buddy uh, gets drunk, wakes up like, what the hell is this? (laughs) Here's a hint. Here's a hint. Not your buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just in case you needed clarification on that one. (laughs) So you're saying if somebody drugs you and then puts a device around your genitalia while you're drugged and out cold, not your buddy, just to be clear. Yeah, that I mean, unless the safe word works, it's okay. just <laughs> some people are talking to these things, too. I'm sure they're like, kind of like, uh, unlock. oh, my God. Can you imagine if there was a microphone in this thing? <laughs> there should be. Why isn't there? I mean, come on. Oh, <laughs> you know, say that would see there's there you go. Penis. You made this unlock. technology better and unlock safe word. Yes. <laughs> Until the battery Just runs send out. Command, have it have it always listening. Send commands. Penis lock. Right. Penis unlock. Yes. There you go. Your your world just got a whole lot better. What can yes. I say? But these smart devices, man, they're not that smart. <laughs> it's, I it, I always put this in the category because uh, one of the places I like to get it is from uh, one of the subreddits. The subreddit is called the Internet of Shit. And. <laughs> It's, and that is exactly what what category for all of these things where, yeah, it's really cool to take something out in the real world and decide to connect it to the cloud. But in almost every case, people are not thinking this through. Like, seriously, you put some kind of device that locks away someone's body part and you don't provide an emergency exit. Well, there, there's no manual unlock. Well, yeah, needing what? to ping the cloud. I mean, Comcast has been horrible here the last few nights for whatever reason. And, uh, you know, the, the connection drops and uh, it gets really slow. So maybe they're yeah. doing work because we and, normally and you don't want to be in the bedroom going, OK, you know, yeah. you're having five hours of foreplay. And then you're like, OK, honey, it's time. Like, I'm sorry, but the Internet's down. Right. The Internet's <laughs> down and you better be, too, buddy. <laughs> I'm telling you, but this is the issue. And I mean, a lot of people think that they're safer in things like the Apple ecosystem over the Android one, which is why I always have to highlight these stories when I see them. The Hacker News had it as well as I'm sure other people. Fifty five new security flaws reported in Apple software and services. A team of five security researchers analyzed several Apple online services for three months found 55 vulnerabilities, 11 which are critical in their severity, 29 high severity, 13 medium, too low. They could have allowed an attacker to, quote, fully compromise both consumer and employee applications, launch a worm capable of automatically taking over a victim's iCloud account, retrieve source code for internal Apple products, fully compromise an industrial control warehouse software used by Apple and take over the sessions of Apple employees with the capability of accessing management tools and sensitive resources. So, yeah, everybody's iCloud's accounts were, uh, <laughs> again, vulnerable. When's the next fappening? That's what I want to know. I, 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 for all I know, it happens at Apple all the time. Yeah. The, the, the releasing Apple source code and getting access to Apple secrets to suggests to me that they're going to fix that one in a big hurry. Because if it only released user data, then eh, we'll get to it. Our next regular update. Yes. Yeah, some were actually fixed within hours of them being told they've already paid out close to, I think it was 300 grand in bounties. Uh huh. 
So, I mean, there's kind of makes you want to go into pen testing, doesn't it? Yes. There's certainly chastity gauge. Yeah, there's certainly some money when it comes down to if you can find problems in some of these big software company stuff, they're willing to pay out because, as you've pointed out, I mean, Microsoft saved a whole lot of money getting rid of a whole bunch of testers and every company has the same mentality. Microsoft certainly isn't alone. The less testing budget they can have, the better. And they actually come out uh, with spending less by just letting the world be their bug finders. Oh, absolutely. And when I when I ranted earlier, you know, rhetorical shout about uh, how come all these things need updates all the time. One of the things that that cold acid had dropped into the troll room at the time was Bill Gates. uh, No, no. Well, I I can never be sure. Um, He said. He said, uh, well, continuous integration happened, which is is absolutely true, because from a the perspective of a programmer, if you don't have to organize all of your code into releases and you just ship it to users the moment that you've written the first draft and don't even have to worry about testing, everything gets so much easier. Yeah, and it, it's entirely that that's how everything is going now. And uh, it. If you've been listening to this show for any period of time, you probably recognize that I don't think that that's the most user friendly method of doing things. No, it's probably not. But we want to think. I I don't believe that that computer users have nearly as high an opinion of brand new untested software code as the the writer, the coders do. Well, you know, those coders are all egomaniacs. I I can relate. I can confirm. And I want to uh, thank cold acid for joining us in episode 99 and i didn't realize i'd never really listened to his voice in that long i mean his podcast rare encounter it's so rare it's hard to find but then hearing a long audio soundbite of bill gates yesterday on the no agenda show they sound exactly alike and once you hear it you can't unhear it my wife's like well you know bill gates likes to hang out in like reddit and these things he wants to like find out what people are saying so i mean are we really sure that cold acid isn't bill gates i mean I'm wondering. I think Bill Gates is a little bit too egotistical to even try to pass himself off as Canadian, though. (laughs) Really? You think? I I don't know. I I just feel like he probably believes that's beneath him. Maybe that's just exactly why it works. Yeah, maybe that's what he wants us to think. I mean, is there even a place called Cortez? I mean, have we verified all this? I, I keep hearing about it on No Agenda. John Dvorak is always talking about Cortis from Cold Acid. You see how all yes. this just starts unraveling? And I will. I have to thank our buddy, Matthew Healy of the Maps with Matt podcast, who we've been waiting for episode four. Matthew, um, he jumped at it once he realized it was getting under Cold Acid's skin just a little bit. He was he ran with the whole cold acid as Bill Gates thing. And that was a whole lot of fun. And we, you know what? He, he needs it. We give him so much shit about the, I, I know the, the maps with Matt. <laughs> He's like, finally, they're screwing with somebody him, else. Yeah. Yay! Yeah, let's cut him some slack. We appreciate it. Cold acid. He's a cold acid. So, a good sport. Do not track is making a comeback. Really? Is, but does, yeah. does this actually make a difference when you check that little thing in your browser? No, probably not. Okay. Uh, the the one that's already been there no it means exactly nothing uh you're, you're familiar with the history of do not track yes um the 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 short version of the history is that some privacy groups got together and decided managed to push into the world wide web standard a header that says i don't want to be tracked and then uh 
the the standard that was pushed was uh users are allowed to set this header and request they don't want to be tracked and then advertisers and other people who have financial interest in tracking you then have the choice of deciding whether or not they want to honor the request not to track you. Right. And the fact that everything is voluntary really means that it does nothing at all, because if you are weighing on the one hand, the user prefers not to be tracked. And on the other hand, we're we stand to make a shitload of money by tracking them. I I think, you know, where these advertisers and Google are going to go with this sort of thing. So the flag was largely completely useless. Um, so the new version of it is, uh, called global privacy control, uh, which is a specification that allows users to tell companies they'd like to opt out of having their data shared or sold. Sound familiar so far? Yeah. It sounds Uh, just like do not track. Yeah. So, um, the, uh, I, I, it's, it's a header and a JavaScript property. And, um, it's, I, I couldn't, well, okay. So, uh, the place where I read about this was, uh, a press release in the EFF's privacy badger. Are you familiar with the privacy badger? I am not. Okay. Privacy badger is, uh, a browser plugin that is designed to, uh, go into your browser and change a bunch of settings in your browser to make it more privacy happy. And then it also will, uh, it, it doesn't go so far as to do like ad blocking or anything, but, but it, it, you know, tries to sanitize cookies and remove tracking cookies. And it's generally righteous for somebody who is a little bit concerned about tracking, but doesn't want to go full Bemrose and disable JavaScript. Um, the signal in this particular case is, uh, well, privacy badger are advertising that they are going to send the new signal by default. If you have privacy badger installed. With the idea that uh, if the user installed Privacy Badger, then obviously they want to remove this. Um, the, oh, the big difference between with this this particular new one is that it theoretically has the force of law it, because it's following uh, upon laws like the California Consumer Privacy Act and the uh, European GDPR, which say when a user uh, intentionally opts out of having their data tracked then you may not track them. Um, The problem that I have with privacy badger. And when I read this story, the reason it came to my mind is the fact that privacy badger is sending the new do not track signal to everyone is going to take it down exactly the same road where advertisers are going to look at this and be like, they, they sent the signal, but they might not know the signal exists and it's just a browser plugin doing it. And therefore they didn't positively opt out and therefore we can still track them. And so privacy badger is really excited that they got this new specification put in, but by turning it on for every single person that uses it, I feel like they're going to destroy it again because people are not. Yeah. I, I, I think that if, if the plugin is turning it on no matter what and not like, I don't know what I don't know what would be a positive confirmation that you want to use this signal, but it might be a you know it might be you have to positively turn on a setting that defaults to off. But I do know that the thing that killed Do Not Track the most was when a number of browsers, in the interest of helping out their users, and I do appreciate when browsers try to do this, 
but a number of browsers turned on do not track permanently right. without asking the user. And so users who'd never heard of do not track had not made the positive choice to opt out. And therefore advertisers were going, well, we don't have any confirmation that they actually wanted to opt out. We just know that they installed a browser and therefore we're going to track anyway. And I feel like this is probably going to go down the same list or same, same road. And we know all those users were like, where did all the good ads go, man? Oh, I, you know, just for sure that every single one of the users is like, how come I'm getting this ad for things I don't want when I really would prefer to be tracked and only get ads for things I already bought? Isn't that how users sound? I think so. I mean, because that was, you know, the first question that comes to mind is, well, why isn't this all opt in to be tracked? It's like, well, that's never going to happen. That is absolutely <laughs> never going to happen. Yeah, well, Too the, much money. Involved. Yeah. If, if you want actual privacy, that is, in fact, the only way to do it. Uh, that or or you need you well and and this by the way uh, as long as we're doing a disappear down fantasy lane for a moment please <laughs> indulge me okay users need to inform themselves about what the dangers are of actually being online and take steps accordingly okay now that we got that total hypothetical you know bullshit scenario out of the way nobody's ever going to inform themselves no nobody's going to inform themselves nobody thinks it's a big deal and there's a big difference in tracking if somebody comes to the grumpy old ben's website or even if you know it doesn't matter what it is fox news or cnn if you go to somebody's website they're always going to be able to track you that's one of the things cookies do and there's a lot of really good reasons to track individual users that come to your particular website including you know them not having to log in they can take part in a community and all that where the real nefarious stuff comes is the fact that all of these trackers are connected that can give a very detailed profile of a person. And that's where the danger comes. It's not like, oh, well, they know somebody goes to the Grumpy Old Ben's website. It's, well, we know he goes to the Grumpy Old Ben's website and this and this well, we, and this. And, and we, we do track every user that comes to our website, right? Yeah. Well, we have a tracking system. I mean, by web logs, just every because IP we, that hits. I mean, it, for. For reasons, we totally need the name and GPS location and personal details and that and chastity cage unlock code for every single user that goes to Grumpy Old Benz. We don't have that, do we? I mean, did somebody somebody Uh, hack that system? If if not, get on that. Isn't there a WordPress plugin for that? We have Progo for that. He can do anything. He can do anything. Are you familiar with this little device called Winston? I was going to say Watson, but no, it's not Watson. It's the Winston device. I've seen ads for this as we're talking about. uh, I'm not. Enlighten me. It is an interesting little device that more or less acts as a VPN, but it's not a VPN. And it's a it's a little box that plugs in between your modem and the rest of your system. And then kind of douchebag Pat tells me it's a cigarette. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that's if you're. uh, you know, they had the whole Winston Cup, the whole NASCAR thing. That was Winston cigarettes right. back in the day. But I mean, they probably had to pivot now, though, because that whole cigarette business, you know, went to crap. But no, from- no, it's it's back. They're taking over vaping. Oh, well, they had to. Somebody has to do something in that. Sorry, I, I interrupted. That hardly ever happens on this show. Go on. I mean, really, it's only been episode 100. I mean, how many times have you interrupted? Let's see. What is 100 times a million? Uh, something like that. But this Winston device, rather than hooking up, to just a VPN, which I use VPNs quite a bit, 
this kind of has the same effect. I'd be interested to know exactly how much of a hit that your performance takes, because from what I can understand, this is kind of I don't even want to say a poor man's tour. It's kind of a non tech person's tour, because what it's doing is the more people that have one of these devices, they're acting as input and exit nodes, which means as you're doing your surfing, it's randomly sending it through one of these other boxes in somebody else's house. So it scrambles everything, allegedly, which I find to be you know interesting, because if you go to a VPN, you're going through one server. That's one IP address. And I mean, even though other people may be using it and they don't know what your actual IP address is, it's a pretty static thing. This just randomly sends stuff through different areas, through different IPs and does its best to completely anonymize you on the Internet. The website on this thing is WinstonPrivacy.com. And the device isn't really that expensive. I think it was like one hundred and fifty bucks. And there is like a $10 a month charge, which I mean, that's kind of like a VPN for a good VPN. You're paying something and it is all done to scramble what you're doing. Allegedly, they don't have any logs. This is all zero log. They don't know where your bits are coming from. They don't know which device you're using. This is a system which obviously you need the more of these devices that are out there the better this would work. But if there's enough of these devices out there, I mean, this is an interesting idea for keeping your data private because the end the end place where you're going, whatever that website might be, whatever app you're using, whatever data you're grabbing from wherever, they really never know anything about you because this has kind of, it, it is basically a box that does tour. From what I can understand, I, I, I certainly like the idea. And, uh, you know, the idea of using a mesh network to defeat tracking is is as old as tracking on the Internet. But is it is it open or closed source? Is it is it an open standard or closed standard? If there's only one vendor, then I think that this thing is going to die on the vine. Well, there's more things that you actually have to look at to, to find that out. But I'm not really sure on where the software comes from what they do. I'm just thinking that if, if something like this is going to work, then what you need to build is an ecosystem around an open standard. That's the only way you're going to get enough, enough per, you know, uh, penetration, uh, enough, right. enough devices out there for it to really matter. Yeah. It is built in Chicago. So I, maybe I need to get a hold of this guy. I mean, this is, uh, they had a Kickstarter campaign. They're, if they're building them in Chicago, uh, it's functionality. I mean, I, I mean if, if, if we're in the Kickstarter phase, which means they're not even out there, but well, this was I, last I'm, year. They are selling them now. Oh, OK. Well, I I'm just thinking that you know we've seen over and over and over again, somebody come up with a really, really great idea that completely dies because you're not going to get enough of them out there, you know, especially of the anything that de- relies on. Well, of course, if you have millions of them out in the wild, then this thing will take off with the network effect. And it is really difficult to get the network effect in a closed system in in a closed product, especially one that have people have to pay for. So I'm feeling like if, if you really care to get this out there to a million people, um, why wouldn't you invite people to or, you know, d- different companies to make more and maybe we're not to that stage yet 
Yes, it's possible. And it's basically, as they mentioned, Tor in this article with the guy, uh, he says, of course, that is strictly only things coming from your browser. So this is also they since it goes in line, this also works with all of your Internet of Things things. So those can't be tracked, which is also a good thing. According to the CEO, he says, quote, if the government asks us for user information, all we can give them is a list of who's a subscriber. Beyond that, we have no visibility. So an interesting concept. I I like it. I want one. Uh, But don't don't expect me to trust all of my personal details or my chastity cage unlock code to it until (laughs) it has enough people out there that. Because if the subscriber list contains you, me, and cold acid and Probo, <laughs> then right. You're, uh, it really yeah, it brings it down a little bit. I'll have to look into what the software is, if that's open source or not. And the other interesting thing I would like to know is how much bandwidth it uses, because obviously they're using your bandwidth to help the other people, just like you're using other people's bandwidth. So I'd be kind of intrigued to see how one of these devices works and how much bandwidth they take up. But it's an interesting concept and it's something that the idea is the time has come for it. Whether this is the correct implementation, I'm not really sure, but it does look easy enough for the average person to set up, which is good. If it doesn't really totally kill your bandwidth, then I think a lot of people would be more than happy to do something like this. I mean, I mean the awesome end case scenario is where you, you just distribute these things like like cable modems and they're just one in every household and people don't even have to care how to use it. It becomes an appliance. Yes. Yes. And it makes it harder to with all of this tracking stuff. Again, that's the problem. Law enforcement would allow that to happen, but yeah, that is nor, nor would Google that. That's also the interesting part. But I repeat myself. We know where people are making the money. We know there, but there's so many options already. This, I guess, would make it too easy for the average user, average user. I mean, I was surprised. Um, I had no idea the length, even what the Tor browser are going through, because I was testing that out again the other day. And I'm like, well, there's there's like a weird little frame around the browser. I like, you know, the full browser. I like the full window. Why does it have like little margins? And they're intentionally adding margins of various sizes in the browser. So you can't be fingerprinted. We talked about that with your Panopticlick, right? That was the name of the site um, that was doing the browser ID by fingerprint. Well, they're trying to make it so they can't get your monitor resolution and all that. So there's some bizarre stuff there. There's people working really hard to protect your privacy online. And that's a good thing. Yeah, but there's a lot more people working hard to compromise your privacy online because there's more money in it. It is a never ending battle. There's no question about it, but everything online is a never ending battle. So I'm going to pull up some some ancient stories. Uh, ancient? Like we're going back to like Roman times or Greek? No, or? to September. Oh, OK. That's different. We had we had three guest episodes in a row. And here I am, you know, taking all the interesting tech stories out there and and making up detailed notes. And I had all these notes for, you know, and then we had Larry on and never got to it. And then we had, uh, you know, uh, uh what's his name on cold and, acid and then, <laughs> uh, i was talking about fletcher oh but yeah, yeah fletcher yeah that, <laughs> by the way guy. yeah you forgot we had fletcher too <laughs> no no I, I remembered fletcher i just thought you meant like the last time oh no um but i i i really like the guest shows but uh i i i got these stories i go i wrote notes how can i not talk about it i've got notes you did work you did the work 
Yeah. And when I do work, I absolutely expect to get compromised or compromised. <laughs> you are going to be compromised. See, you do work, you okay. get compromised, kids. So uh, this story is from the 23rd. Uh, it has to do with Tesla um, locking. And, and this is uh, I had this actually right alongside the IOT chastity cage story for a reason. Um, the Tesla network went offline for one hour on the 23rd. And everybody who owned a Tesla lost their fucking minds. Uh, the uh, <laughs> uh, presumably, you know, their basically their entire customer-facing system went offline for an hour. And any IT guy knows the horror of oh god, this could happen. You know, if production goes down, um, it looks like uh, the the speculation is this is during the rollout of their two FA, which was designed to uh, make things more secure. Two-factor authentication. Yes, um, it uh, impacted the website and impacted uh, all remote Tesla functionality, such as connecting to your car via app. Um, this made a, a large number of people speculate wildly about, oh, God, I can't get into my car because I can't push a button on my phone app to unlock it. I can't start my car because I always push the button on the phone app to start the car. Uh, this is why they give you keys. But could they still get into, you know, insane mode? I don't know what that is. But if you mean spending $80,000 on an electric car that that you can't access through the app when their system goes down, maybe that's insane mode. All I know from about Tesla is what I've learned watching these uh this series Silicon Valley that I mentioned a little earlier. Yes. They also had the whole thing and they made fun of the whole thing of Oh, yeah. Insane mode was like zero to 60 in three seconds. He's like, but now it has like there was something beyond insane oh, mode geez. then. And then there was uh, there was like a valet mode, well, I guess. There, in these. There, there is actually a limit to the amount of torque, which is basically limited by how many amps can move from the battery to the motors at a time. But yeah, I you know what? I, I've been in those things. The acceleration in them is insane. They're really fun to be in. Uh, but anyways, um. Uh, compared to uh, the uh, uh, compared to the chastity cage app, the the you know lock in, um, Tesla had done it right. Um, if your phone app cannot connect to the cloud, then you can still from the app send Bluetooth signals to your car. So uh, despite all of the freaking out about it, people were able to get their car started. They were able to uh get their uh get into the car uh what they couldn't do and i'm sure that there are a lot of people for whom this completely destroyed their day was from the happiness of their living room punch a button on the app and cause the seats to preheat oh the horrors yes um and uh as long as we're on this um google had an outage the same day um google, were they related i don't know uh but Google Meet, Google Drive, Google Docs, Analytics, Classroom, Calendar, Gmail, Hangouts, and YouTube went down for 37 minutes, which felt like a, an eternity. Uh, Google's statement was, we experienced a short service disruption affecting several products. The only reason that I bring up all of these is to highlight something that a lot of people still don't seem to get about the Internet of Things and the cloud-connected world, which is... That sometimes shit goes down. 100% uptime is a myth. 
doesn't matter what the companies say to you. And if you have some critical process that depends on these cloud servers being available 24 uh, seven, it, it's going to disrupt your shit if you don't have some kind of backup plan. So my advice to dudes named Ben is if, if you rely on the cloud for anything, always have some kind of a local plan B. Uh, the, the Google outage, you know, I'm perfectly fine with analytics going down, but, uh, there were actually a great number of people, uh, of schools that were really, uh, messed up when Google classroom was down. Well, yeah. And there, well, there was another, uh, Massachusetts school district that was shut down by a ransomware attack. So that was also, Oh, Oh, we have another one. Yeah. There was another one and they just, you know, they cut off all the classes once they realized that there was an issue because they thought you know people on the network you never know if somebody's watching in on all these whatever they're using zoom or whatever they're using for the the remote learning it's it's hard to say um but there's also a story in the same vein as this which is uh creative cloud amazon went down and you know people couldn't log in couldn't access their data again that was in the cloud which all of these moves uh, of companies that they're going from the local storage model, you know, Photoshop, we talked about this before. You used to have to go to the store, you'd buy a disc, you'd bring it home. And there was none of this like, oh, you, you know, that usually if I remember correctly, the last time I had an issue with one of these Adobe things, they were like, well, you have to log in within 30 days. And that I'm okay with kind of, I mean, I don't like it. But that's giving you enough time if you're going to be off the grid, because there is some software that's like, oh, you don't have Internet. I'm not going to run. And it's like, yeah, but I'm not doing anything on the Internet. Well, but we have to check our license. If we can't check that this is a valid license, we're not going to let you run. But this uh, we we, we haven't had a name for that back in the day. It was called Crippleware. Yeah, because you can't use it unless the little bit gets flipped live. and. you know, there's nobody that's above this at this point. There, there's a lot of, uh, and we, we, I've talked about this before, but there are a lot of stupid little apps on phones or whatever, uh, like uh, games, like Tetris. Uh, I, I don't know why it, we, you would ever need to be online for Tetris, but there's, you know, there's Tetris app that uh, it will not run. It'll not launch if it doesn't have the internet. There's a lot of, you know, stupid little things that you'd think would never need the internet will just refuse to launch if you're in airplane mode. Uh, why would they do this? Well, because they get their money from ads and they need to be able to download the new live ads because uh-huh. if you're offline, you're not getting new ads and you have to watch ads and you, the advertisements are really have to be in your face because that's the only way the company gets paid. The ads so, must be fresh. Yeah, that's that's how the ads from these ad networks work is if the ads aren't fresh, the company's not getting new money and you're using their software without paying you know we talked about being in the wrong business we thought we should be in pen testing uh there was another since we're talking about this advertising in apps there was a group uh, a massive fraudulent advertising business they're calling this over at bleepingcomputer.com they had uh, more than 240 apps in the google play store and these weren't uh these weren't pirated apps or anything. They're saying they were mostly low quality games or stolen NES emulators. So they kept putting up this stolen stuff. NES emulators. Yeah. Every so, NES emulator I've ever 
scene has been a piece of software that's usually released for free. How do you steal that? Well, they took that where obviously there was no, again, if somebody put out an emulator under a Creative Commons license and said, don't release this as your own app, well, they just released it as their own app and got people to download it. So basically, this wasn't malware that they were pushing out. There was the main part that I found interesting about this story. This wasn't the apps were pushing malware. They were pushing just really shitty products and then running ads. And they were running ads in a very nefarious way. They would pop up on the top of whatever else was going on. They would claim to be from Google or YouTube or something like that. So they would try to blame other apps, you know, that everybody has on their phone. So people wouldn't go and be like, oh, shit, I better delete that uh, emulator that I just downloaded because the ads coming up would be like, hey, this is a YouTube ad. And people are like, okay, it says it's a YouTube ad. But with these 240 or so apps just running ads on these devices, how much money do you think these people were making in an average day? 240 apps just pushing ads. I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably more than you and I make in donations from our experts in an episode. $150,000 a day. Fuck. Yeah. A day. 150 grand. Holy crap. That's a lot of ads, right? We are in the wrong business. We need to be more. (laughs) We need to be more sleazy about this shit. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's in only 240 apps. So everybody out there that can like write apps. I mean, I know cold acid can do it. Rogo can do it. You're a coder. I mean, just put out crappy apps. You you know, you were describing this and, and what it, what had come to mind was, um, and this, this was definitely something that from, you know, 15, 20 years ago, uh, you go into a, a supermarket and somewhere near the checkout on the impulse buy, there'll be a, a, a stand of CDs. That's like, you know, a, a thousand, uh, you know, useful computer utilities or something yes, like that. Yes. And it'll be a CD for 1099 and you crack it open, you look at it and every single one of them was like a unregistered shareware. Right. Uh, a lot of which is nagware sometimes, but somebody had taken and downloaded all of this free software or, or for shareware or trial software and put it all onto one CD and press the CD for, you know, 32 cents or whatever it was to press the CD and it's charging 1099 each for it. Yeah. Completely legal. Yeah. And completely douchey. Yes. $150,000 a day. That's uh yeah, we're in the wrong business. Why am I even talking to you? You're like, I have to go. I have to go write some software. I'll talk right. to you. No, few- that's effort. I just need to go <laughs> steal some software. Right. And then add your little ad code to it. And they yeah. went they went on and the you know, the intriguing part was, you know, what they were using in the code itself. So any dudes named Ben will probably want to go check that out. But in the code itself was there was a bunch that really had no purpose to it, but they believed it was just to do confusing of whatever systems do the analysis before these things get uploaded to the play store and all of that but it seemed like genius to me for anybody that can pull this stuff off and again 240 apps doesn't seem like a lot because any good coder could probably pump out five you know as long as you're cutting and pasting stuff just you can put out a lot of apps pretty quick so it doesn't take a good coder if you've ever wandered around the play store you know that yeah and all these things, why are all of these apps free? I remember, you know, that was kind of the, the aha moment. The minute I got 
a smartphone. And at first, you know, because the first phone I had was one of the early Apple ones. And the people making software were still pretty much the big players, you know, so there wasn't the overload of stuff. And Apple has never gotten as overloaded as the Android stores have. But you realized really quick, like, well, why are there 35,000 different flashlight apps? It's because they're all crap. And there's like two lines of code. <laughs> yeah, because there's a flashlight API uh-huh. to be like, uh, put a button on the screen and we- on button click turn you know send flashlight api call right and take the nude self you know take the selfie yeah. and if well, it's and, a female you know, and, and nude and then send the picture here and that the the complicated part of the flashlight app is of course uh setting up the service to register itself to run uh 24 7 in the background to collect your location data and upload it to the chinese server Right. That's actually the complicated part of the cell phone or of the flashlight app. Well, see, the flashlight apps, they need to know your GPS location, because if it's light out, then they won't turn the flashlight on because that'll save battery. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I've been not installing flashlight apps all this time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It is. And, uh, you know, our buddy comic strip blogger, just to do a horrible segue here, brought up a, a topic which I wanted to kind of run by you and everybody else listening. And when it comes down to podcasting and cutting up the podcast into chapters, because he's very animate that he's not going to. Oh, he he went on for an hour yesterday. Uh, yeah, he's not going to subscribe to any podcasts that don't use chapters. And OK, I mean, I, I, you know what? I'm not asking him to subscribe to our podcast. It, it, he can keep donating. I'm good with that. Right. That's that's more important. No question yeah. about it. And. I understand the concept behind the chapters. Basically, it's like when you're listening to a record album, you know, when you're listening to a whole album of songs, you can skip to the next song. I mean, you can skip to the next track. So I get it. If you have something that is well structured, that if, you know, when I'm doing random thoughts, usually I make a very clean segue because it's just me. So I say what I want to say about a subject. And then I move on to the next. So it's very easily to do there something like chapters. Now, I was thinking the first thing that I thought of in doing chapters for Grumpy Old Ben's was every time one of us, if the speaker changes, a new chapter starts. (laughs) (laughs) Are you sure that would fit? I mean, I, I got the feeling he wanted more than two or three chapters in each podcast. Well, no, well, yeah, well, no, well, come on. We change talking all the time. There would be like 7,000 chapters. Oh, we, yeah, it. we could do another one that's every time somebody interrupts. Right. That's a new chapter. Boom. And I mean, I get it for people that want to do things like skipping commercials. I get for the podcasts that have commercials, which is why podcasts that rely on advertisers. I don't think they could ever do this because then it's like. Oh, we have three minutes of commercials. I'll just skip right past that. There's a lot of people, for whatever reason, don't like the donation segment well, in uh, No Agenda, and maybe they don't like the you know segment here. It would be easy to it would skip that. I, I would venture to say that most podcasters who put ads in their show uh, are probably a, a, as long as the ad network isn't defunding them for doing this would probably be totally okay. With adding some kind of yeah, you can skip to my real content here, uh, because the you know podcasters who are getting paid by ads, they only care about getting paid. They don't actually care if you listen to their ads as long as they get paid. It's all good for them. So if, if 
you know, it's the podcast networks that are going to be like, you know, if, if this ever caught on, you can guarantee that the podcast ad networks would start saying, well, uh, you know, you are not allowed to put in a chapter break at the end of an ad because it will make you, know, you can go ahead and put your chapter breaks at the beginning of the ad, but not the end because then people skip to it. They still get the ad. Yeah, and if, if this really caught on in any big way, you guarantee the ad networks would start taking steps. And, and the steps are always to tell the podcasters, you know, this is where you can and can't put them. Well, and we're old enough to remember when the big fight came out, when DVRs first came out that had the you know 30 second skips and stuff where people were like, no, they're going to skip the ads. And then there was that's exactly what they do. Yes. No kidding. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I don't ever want to see it get to the point where you can't scan through a podcast, but this concept don't install Spotify. Right. Well, yeah, we, we we must force you to listen to five ads before the content begins. And God knows what happens once it starts. I've never listened to anything on Spotify long enough to yeah. to find that uh, out. By, by the way, a uh, quick shout out to Cold Acid and Abel Kirby. They uh, virtue signaled that they are removing Rare Encounter from Spotify. I am pretty sure that Spotify is going to feel a hit in their stock for this one. That, you know, their stock value is going to go down at least a dime. Because of the loss of of rare encounter, you um, mean a dime per share or just a dime? Maybe, maybe. I'm not really <laughs> sure. I'm not a I'm not a stock market guy. I'm only guessing. I mean, this is this is an important step, and I've got to uh, I've got to give them props for getting the hell away from Spotify. I think that uh, you know when when somebody goes all walled garden like that, then the best thing that anybody who cares about open content can do is just stay out of the garden. I liked when my podcast addict app updated yesterday, which is a great podcasting app. It's one of the good apps that are out there. They in the in the notes on what was new, you could now search Adam Curry's podcast index.org. So yes, to podcast nice. addict. It's like that that's gaining some traction. So that is a good thing. And there are some good apps. I know we give a lot of uh, crap to all different types of apps, but you have to know where they're coming from. I mean, I've tried probably 20 different well, podcaster apps and it's there, like, there you are don't some, know who's there are some these. apps whose usefulness outstrips the, the cost of putting them on your system. Yes. Now, I with, guess that's what you consider good with the chapters concept. I, there are some of these podcast apps will notice what they are and let you skip through those. Not all of them do the you know, and I just don't know how many people are actively sitting and paying attention to their device while listening to podcasts. And when you get a show like ours, which is very conversational, the concept that these are that you could break it down into easy little segments that make sense, meaning, oh, I just want to listen to them talk about this rainbow mix advertising thing that made one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day. You know, that's. Because see, I just mentioned it again. So now you don't get everything yeah. if you just listen to that little segment. Because we we weave, we go in, we go out. It's a it's a free form <laughs> conversation. I, I I honestly think that we probably could do it with this show uh, a break on you know because we we kind of do segments in, in with regards to you know whenever one of us interrupts loudly enough and des- derails the other's train of thought enough that we can switch topics and go to another. I mean, we we could have. 
a chapter on the the cellmate chastity cage and another chapter on Tesla and another chapter on the you know the stolen shareware if we wanted if uh, i mean there is absolutely the argument to be made and i'll go ahead and make it right now that uh most conversational podcasts like ours are better listened to straight through if you have that kind of time um because we float like a butterfly sting like a well bee. because as you're pointing out the the totality of the conversation is is woven through the whole thing and and you could say that we're we're very clever and that we're planning out how all of our content flows in and out with back reference and no we're just uh you know a little bit scatterbrained and and like to meander on our topics and but that's fine it's a conversation and we are neither as clever nor as charming as we think we are oh i'm i'm like twice as clever and charming as i think i am that was still, I mean, that was like episode 10. <laughs> Sir Chris yes. over on No Agenda Social said that about grumpy old Ben's. And still, I think it's been the best <laughs> critique of the show we've ever had. So, yes, second best would be Dvorak. Neither one of them are that old. Yeah, just uh, it's just that grumpy feeling to the whole thing. But so I get the concept of the chapters. I see where it could work with certain things. I don't think it's something that. I would ever use, but I understand that some people might want to. And then it gets down to the question of, I mean, does it just work out of the box? Because at first it looked like it had to be an, uh, you know, an M4 P no, yeah, M4 K, uh, K or whatever the M4 V I think is the file name that Apple uses. But now it looks like maybe you can do it in MP3 files as well. No web player will see that. So, and I think the future is going to these HTML five based players with, the whole thing going on around podcastindex.org and all that. But I can see where some people maybe would want to use it. The, my biggest issue then is I either have to have a system and this could probably easily be done in the Adobe software that we're using to record this. We record the main recorder is Adobe audition multi-track. Now, if I had a button on my little stream deck here, that I could just push every time we're transitioning what I think into a new chapter, that would make it a whole lot easier. But then there would have to be a log. I'm still going to have to go back and label all of those chapters unless you, you know, because he wants to know what's in the CSB in every one of these chapters. So it adds a lot more work to well, yeah, the, yeah. the post-production. I, I think what you're getting at here, and and this is this is kind of my conclusion on the the chapter, or at least my point on the chapter. Th- thing is it is work to add this metadata to the podcast and the question that every podcaster is going to have to answer to themselves is uh for the format of my show and the audience that i have is there going to be enough benefit to make it worthwhile to do the extra work and uh, you know we're we're in the top 10% of all podcasts because we and by we i mean you go actually look at the wave file and edit the thing and make it clean it up before posting um i, I honestly think 85% of podcasts they are you know just straight up record whatever comes out of the microphone and post the mb3 and never even listen to it like nick the rat I'm I'm not pointing any fingers at Hog Story here, but yeah, I said Nick the Rat. I didn't say Hog Story. I I heard what you said. <laughs> I heard what you said too. 
But, you know, that is and it's automated, which is the thing but, that gets for all podcasters out there. You can automate the system after a few shows, you know, set up the EQ, set up the gate, set up everything you need in the software that you use. And when we have a new guest, I mean, I'll tweak for their particular voice. But in the fact that you and I, we have the same voices on every show. It's not that hard. Did you say you and I have the same voice? Voices. I mean, that's a tremendous compliment to yes. me, but I don't believe it's true. Yeah. Well, no, we have we have perfectly you know, vo- the voices that are you know diametric enough to where when people go, nobody's ever listened to Grumpy L. Benz and went, well, which one of the two is speaking right now? It's sometimes hard to tell. I understand. Yes. I mean, it's 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 like we're voice doubles like cold acid and Bill Gates. Yes. He really needs to act. We need to do something with him. I want to do like a short interview with him as Bill Gates. He said he would have to um and ah a little bit more, but I think that would be fantastic. I'm getting a lot of grief in in the troll room for things that I'm not saying. Like when when I mentioned (laughs) that Rare Encounter was doing their they're taking off Spotify. Cold acid said fuck off. And I'm 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 hurt by that. And just now, uh, you know, Fletcher said that we're asshats. And I, I, I specifically called out hog story as I wasn't going to mention them. I don't understand why I'm getting all this grief from the troll room. I'm just surprised you're getting grief for things you don't say. I mean, I can understand why you get grief for things you do say. Exactly. I, I am. I don't judge. You know this. Yeah. No agendastream.com is the place to be. So I don't know. Would, I'll look into would it this. Surprise you to know that, that you're lying. uh, uh no that wouldn't i know that um that there was a time in the past when no agenda had a version that did have chapters well i know i've seen the there were websites because that's the beauty of the way we release the show the way no agenda releases the show which is hey we are really claiming nothing after it's put out there if you want to do something with it we just don't have time to run anybody and, and down. And that's exactly what was happening. You know, Adam is is very protective of his time, and he knows exactly what he intends to do and what he doesn't. And he was perfectly happy if somebody was like, "Go take the MP3 and add the chapter breaks." That that's great, and repost it if you want. And for a while, people did it, and it fell off. Um, I can only assume that the reason it's not still happening is because it's a positive amount of work and what the people were getting out of it wasn't nearly it wasn't worth it. And I don't really I don't. think it's that helpful necessarily to have these things to where you could skip to an exact portion of the podcast. It's just most people don't listen to shows this way. CSB I, I, does. Absolutely. I absolutely think it's helpful, but I don't believe that most people listen to podcasts the way CSB does. Now, the shows that where it may be interesting, because I've talked to people who, when it comes to who are these podcasts, and I know I have to get back to Carl if he's listening, but that made a comment on Twitter, like, I only listen to the phone calls and something else. I don't listen to X, Y, and Z. And now, if that's the case, if you like a podcast, but you only like certain little segments, chapters would be your friend. I don't think that's 95% of the people that listen to podcasts, though. I think normally people like it's like talk radio to me, which is you kind of put it on, well, you let it go. And the place where the place where I think this is actually really useful would be uh, uh, shows like um, a news show where each news segment can be pulled out and released as its own thing. But they happen to be strung together. Yes. And we we certainly have segments like that on this show for example you know every time that we bring up a story and talk about it and and i i could see that happening with grumpy old bits 
Well, and that was exactly, but, I think it was the uh, Blueberry site, because I was doing some research on this CSB. I was doing the work, and I was looking it up, and there was an article on chapters on, I think it was Blueberry, and it said exactly what you just did, which is, if you have content that can be easily extracted and stand on its own, maybe you should be doing different podcasts. You know, I mean, maybe you should be releasing <laughs> them as separate little shows, and a lot of people do. You know, it's the little... 15 minute news segments. There's nothing to say that grumpy old Ben's rather than being, you know, two hours of bloviating couldn't be, you know, eight different 15, 20 minute podcasts, each little segment broken up. But that's just not the way we do it. So find your own way to go. And it's the amount of work involved. I mean, if CSB would like to step up and provide me with an easy way to add the chapter marks and he can provide me with exactly where they are and what they should be called. Sure. I'm much more likely to start doing that rather than really going, sure you want you want his names on what the chapters would be called. I do. I think it would be interesting. I think it would be interesting. I don't know if it would necessarily be what we want. It could be grumpy old Ben's may, the comic strip blogger edition. May you live in interesting times. Yes. Comic strip for all of your doodle needs. No question about okay. it. So what so else we've we got? done? We've done a, a bunch of, of tech stories, and I know people are into that sort of thing. Um, if, if you're going to mark down chapter break right here, uh, this is a point where Comic Strip Blogger needs to tune out because there's very little tech in this one, but it is very close and personal to me uh, because... Uh, no, no, we already did that. We already did the thing they put on your hoo-ha. Um, well, that was, that was even more close and personal, but not to me. Um, right now, I have got a cat sitting there, not a chastity cage. Well, um, that could protect you. Wait, could chastity cages protect you from cats? I, I, I think we need more experimentation. Yes, uh, obviously. Let's do some science, but not me. Um, so I, 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 I have mentioned before that the city where I live in, I'm actually uh, about four or five miles away from the plant where every uh, 747 767 and 777 is built or, or the final assembly. So the first time they ever take off, it's from the airport near here. Um, Boeing has always been a Washington state thing. Um, they started up there. You know, Boeing is, is one of the two major airplane manufacturers in the world. For the most part, it's, it's Boeing or Airbus, which is in uh, France. I believe it's in Europe. Um, Boeing has been having a long, messy divorce with Washington state. And I just have to push this out. Um, the, the most specific change recently is, uh, the 787 is, uh, originally started right here in, in Everett and they're moving 787 production to South Carolina. Um, they have a they have a plant in North Charleston and people around here are losing their damn minds. And it, it definitely impacts this city because, uh, you know, my Everett is losing a, a lot of jobs. Um, the HQ of Boeing moved to Chicago in 2001. And I think that the people around here probably should have figured out about that time that Boeing was not a, a local Seattle company anymore. They were kind of giving you the, yeah, it's not you, it's us. Well, I, okay, so um, 
Washington does not have an income tax. It's, it's one of only a few states in the country that does not have, it doesn't have a personal income tax and it doesn't have a corporate income tax. But instead of income tax, Washington has what's called a B and O tax for business and occupation. Um, the, the B and O tax is unlike income tax, which is generally levied on, on, uh, profits. It's levied, you know, on net income. Uh, the B and O tax is levied on gross income. Which means that if you are an industry that has extremely high costs and high prices, uh, your gross receipts are really high and therefore your taxes levied are going to be crazy high. And just to break even after taxes, you have to make a shit ton of margin on, on your products. Um, and there are certain industries where that just straight up doesn't work. Uh, Boeing had been. For years and years and years, the biggest employer in the entire state of Washington, I think now they're number four behind uh, uh, Microsoft, Amazon, and um, uh, oh yeah, the state of Washington. But uh, Boeing had also been the source of a great deal of political power. And one of the reasons this state was so far left is uh, that that Washington state is uh, one of the uh, 23 states in the union that still has no right to work laws. Are you familiar with what right to work means? Well, yes, they that's you can't. Uh, or is that the whole right to fire thing where they can fire people for any reason? No, that's that's at will employment. Uh, right to work is uh, is the idea that you cannot be forced to join a union as a condition of employment. Ah, yes. Um, and I'm I'm gonna go ahead and and drop an image into the troll room here, uh, which is the states that have uh, right to work. And I would note that the ones that that where companies can compel you, your unions can compel you to join the union, are the ones in light gray on that map. And I would just point out that the entire left coast and all of the northeast are places where, in order to get a job, you can be required to join a union. That's freedom. Um, notably, uh, Boeing, who has moved everything to South Carolina, South Carolina is a right to work state, meaning that they don't have to support a union there. And a lot of people in Washington are uh, calling this out as uh, a, a move for Boeing away from unions. And honestly, I can't blame them for that. And I think it is a move away from unions because the aerospace union in Washington state is one of the huge donors to the Democrat Party. Uh, the Democrat Party has spent years and years and years cranking up the B&O tax because big business and, you know, the, the standard Democrat line of, uh, you know, big business are just nothing but greedy assholes who would screw the little people and never mind that they're really trying to balance the books. Uh, so. I absolutely believe that that they are trying to get away from the unions. They're trying to get away from the B and O tax. Uh, you know, the funny thing is when Boeing tried to uh, when they moved their headquarters from Seattle to Chicago in 2001, they were talking about moving production away too. And of course, the politicians in Washington started losing their minds because they they realized that you know not only would a shit ton of jobs be lost from Washington State. But also a shit ton of uh, 
you know, donation dollars from the unions to the Democrat Party. This is important to them. So oh, yeah. uh, Governor Governor Gary Locke of Washington, who was the governor of Washington, uh, interestingly, right after he was governor of Washington, he went off to become secretary of commerce for Obama. And then not long after he became the uh, U.S. ambassador to China. He's a Chinese American. Um, uh, not not saying ties to China or anything, but um, ties to China. Anyway, yeah, uh, he passed a quote tax break when Boeing was threatening to leave back in 03 uh, that uh, has been worth an estimated uh, 1.2 trillion dollars in the last 16 years of tax money that has been effectively, you know, a tax break is is we're going to temporarily lower the amount of money we're trying to steal from this one person. Uh, the funny thing is that that tax break was recently repealed because Airbus had complained to the EU about unfair, uh, unfair tax conditions uh, and unfair competition. And uh, the EU was talking about putting retaliatory tariffs on all Boeing planes because Boeing was getting tax breaks from the state of Washington. And so the Washington state legislature ended up repealing that, which uh, ended up costing in 2019 almost 100 million more dollars in taxes. By the way, that tax surplus uh, totally wasted on social programs by the state, but whatever. Yeah, that's what they do. Well, the concept of the tax breaks. What people will never understand if, of a certain thinking is how they actually bring more business in. And that's why the companies are there. That's why companies came back yeah. to the United States. Once Trump started lowering the taxes, they're going to go where business can be done. Yeah. Businesses want to go where they can make the most money. And if they're losing 10 percent of their gross profits off the top to a regressive tax structure, they're going to go somewhere else. And it's like I said, it's it's really hurting people where I am because there's a hell of a lot of workers that are facing the idea that they're going to get laid off from jobs that they've had forever. And, you know, Boeing stopped doing pensions 10 years ago. I I don't know. I I feel for the people. But man, fuck the the uh, politicians who made this go. By the way, fuck one politician in particular. Uh, interesting was when the. In in 2017, when the retaliatory tariff thing came up, uh, one of the first things that the Washington legislature tried to do was to make it so that it wasn't an, uh, a Boeing-specific tax break by lowering all B&O tax across all manufacturing to the level that Boeing had, and that would appease Boeing because the taxes wouldn't go up, right. and it would also appease the EU because now Boeing's not getting a special break. Um, you know what happened to that? It passed the legislature and then it got fucking vetoed by Jay fucking Inslee. Oh, I love that guy. Oh, fuck him. <laughs> um, then, uh, you know, when Boeing was again talking about, well, you know, we're not we're not making enough money here and we might have to move uh, instead of pandering to them like previous governors had uh, Inslee actually started taunting them. Uh, and then when. When Boeing finally started moving the, this last month, uh, Jay Inslee called it an insult. And he said, uh, you know, for everything that we've done for Boeing, they ah. owe the state more, at least a decade more jobs. What a dick. He, he was only a few months ago. He was threatening to jack up their taxes if they didn't commit to staying. And 
You know, the funny thing is, uh, I, I, in the last couple of months, Inslee also claims that the CEO of Boeing would not even take his calls. If if you can think of a better indication that you're like, fuck you, we're done with you than <laughs> yes. that. I don't know what it is. Yeah, we're breaking up. We're moving on. We're not coming back. We're never, ever, 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 ever getting back together ever. So, yeah, yeah I you know what? That had nothing to do with tech and little to do with anything else other than it is. It is the thing that is freaking out everybody in my hometown right now, because uh, we are facing uh, on the prospect of like 7% of the people in this city getting laid off by this one company. Well, it does. It matters because this is exactly what's at stake with the election. You know, Biden coming in. What do you think is going to happen everywhere in the United States? What's going on there with Boeing is going to be a much more, uh, much more plentiful occurrence. If the Biden Harris ticket gets elected, I don't think they will, but it's a scary thought to even ponder. The vice presidential debate was kind of funny. What I saw of it, <laughs> um, you know, the fly. The only wins. thing I saw was the fly. Yeah, the fly definitely won. I just want to know. I mean, Mike Pence. The Jeff Goldblum memes were thick. Oh, yeah. And I think Pence did really well because he was the only person out of all of these guys, I think, in, you know, so Trump, Biden, Harris, and Pence, he's the only one that really seems presidential out of any of them, which is kind of intriguing. But he didn't ask Kamala Harris the one question that I wanted him to ask. He had not what, 90 minutes? What was that? What was that question? Will you get down under this podium for me? No, that's the Willie Brown question. But yeah, okay. You know, yeah, that he would, didn't ask that one, did he? No, that would maybe spread some diseases or anything. And that's uh, probably true. You know, she, she you catch COVID from a blowjob. I don't know. Ask Kamala Harris. She, she'll tell you to believe the science, whatever that may be. But the one question that should have been asked was, Senator Harris, in the United States of America, do you think it is fair and equitable for somebody to be chosen for a job based upon the color of their skin or their gender? I want to know the answer to that question. Well, ca- California, so probably do believe that. But I mean, get the, it. Get California the legislature is trying to enforce it now. Get it on the record. Have her say it. That is what should have been asked because, I mean, she dodged other questions like, well, are you going to stack the court? Well, let me tell you about Abraham Lincoln. It's like, but that has nothing to do with the answer to the question, lady. But I want to know. I mean, I want to know in America overall. I don't care what gender you are. I don't care what race, color, whatever, creed, whatever you got going on. I don't think the average person is going to answer yes to. Do you think you should be chosen for a job based upon any of those? Your skin color, your religion, your gender. And the only reason Joe Biden was very clear. The only reason Kamala Harris was picked was because she was dark skinned and a female. That's it. That's the only. also, Also, she wasn't cursed with an excess of morality that or ethics. That is important. Well, that's true, too. I mean, ask Willie Brown. You're, you're so naive thinking that you can get anything resembling truth out of a candidate running for office. I think you can every now and then. I mean, sometimes it's just they accidentally say what they you know, forgot they shouldn't be saying. Uh, the fracking thing was interesting. Bill, Bill O'Reilly had the audio on this where Kamala Harris was asked about the you know Green New Deal or something, and she responded with, Joe Biden will not ban fracking. And then he cuts to another clip of her saying, I will do whatever I can to ban fracking. It's like, well, see, she didn't lie. 
<laughs> she said Joe Biden yeah. wouldn't ban fracking, but well, Joe Biden isn't going to be president. Exactly. So if you noticed everything that Pence said was about Trump, everything Kamala Harris said was about herself. Definitely a bit of a, a maniacal egomaniac like, you know, podcasters. I mean, I'm not going to say, you know, people don't fall into that quite a bit. But hey, she I resemble seemed, that remark. Yeah. She seems to fall into that even a little bit more, though, than even you do. And that's 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 worrisome. I, I, I'm not running for president here. <laughs> Would you like to? No. Would you like no. to be Fletcher's running? Hell mate? no. No. Uh, you know what? Even no, I, 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 you know what, Fletcher, if you're looking for people to join your cabinet, I'm there, but I'm not. <laughs> I, I don't want the spotlight. I don't want to be in the campaign. Fuck that noise. And by being Fletcher's cabinet, you mean you would? Well, see, you won't even get on a Zoom call. So. I mean, I would crawl underneath his sink and just right. hop out and scare people. Yes, I will be in your cabinet, no question about it. But yeah, it was the the debate was less of a shit show when it comes down to the overall content. I guess there wasn't as much arguing, there wasn't as much talking over. But I don't really think people learned anything. People still dodge questions. They say whatever they want. And the one point where I saw Kamala's face really change, though, and she was really not happy was when Vice President Pence had the stats of just how many more people of color as a percentage were prosecuted under Kamala when she was the state's attorney and the district attorney in yeah, San that, Francisco that was low. How dare he bring up her history? Yes. And the most beautiful part about that, if you miss this, go back and watch this part of the debate because he had stats and he was spitting stats. It seemed like for a minute straight spitting stats of how the minority community was really prosecuted under Kamala Harris. And then she was like, no, no, no. I need to respond. I need to respond. I need to respond. And the moderator's like, well, OK, respond. And then she didn't say any of it was wrong. <laughs> that was a thing of beauty. She did not no, say that not, was incorrect. No, the, the response is we, I need to deflect. I need to deflect. Yes. It's like, OK, uh, yeah, you want to respond to what he just said? Well, why didn't you actually say, well, no, those stats aren't true. Or, you know, she could have done the, you you know, know gone the, the average TV listener doesn't have the attention span to even remember what the question was while someone's answering. That's why yeah. they have such long meandering answers on TV. You know, if she really had some guts. She would have been like, well, you know, minorities commit more crimes and just moved on with it. I did. No, she actually uh, the way that her she has been uh, hitched her wagon to the the racial equality bandwagon. I don't think she can say that. Right. Well, obviously, I mean, that would have been the answer, maybe, because I don't know how else you would explain I mean, it, is, it. It is a valid answer, but um, I, I, she can't. She has she has tied herself so closely and, and the, the entire left have tied themselves so closely to the new racism that it, it, you would you, you must appease your woke overlords. How dare you actually prosecute criminals? I mean, that's horrible. We can't have that well, anymore. We don't have that anymore. Yeah. I mean, if you looked in San Francisco or Minneapolis where uh, nobody's being prosecuted anymore, you know, rioting. Yeah. Was uh, the, the stats recently came out from Minneapolis where the, uh, the prosecutor had dismissed 97% of all of the cases 
that were brought by the police to the prosecutor, uh, the, the vast majority of which were uh, rioting or uh, assaulting a police officer or I, I mean, not uh, I, I don't know how many of them were uh, arson or things where, you know, there, there was a. a Okay, I, I was about to say a real crime committed, but a lot of these are crimes. I just I, I don't know what types of crimes the whole breakdown was, but I know that uh the police in Minneapolis, the ones that weren't defunded away, uh managed to arrest a great many people who were out rioting or or you know being generally total douchebags and destroying their city. Uh, and the prosecutor in Minneapolis just released Almost all of them said, yeah, we're not filing charges. And if you want further proof that the media is a big part of this, did you see the news? The Associated Press just released their latest I style. I try book. not to see the news. Yeah. The latest it depresses me and angers me style book from the Associated Press, whose standards are followed by countless media outlets. Last week, new guidelines, quote, Focusing on rioting and property destruction rather than underlying grievance has been used in the past to stigmatize broad swaths of people protesting against lynching, police brutality, or for racial justice, going back to the urban uprisings of the 1960s. So the answer for them is to uh, the AP suggests replacing, quote, riots with milder terms such as unrest. So they're rewriting. They're they're behind the time on that one. They're rewriting it. The the protests, the riots were peaceful in the eyes of of CNN for the last five months. The Associated Press guidelines are to no longer use the word riots. This is how they're making it better. We just won't use the word. Yeah, yeah. The the one solace that I have in that is I I honestly believe that most normal Americans are starting to realize that the mainstream media are lying to them. It's so blatant now that even the people who've intentionally had their heads in the sand and be like, I don't want to think about this sort of thing are kind of looking at this going, I don't think I believe you as much anymore. And uh, the mainstream news has been digging their own grave for years. And I think this is the year where they're jumping up and down in it. Well, it is because they think they're so close now. I think that is the mentality here is, we're going to get rid of Trump. Oh, my God. Biden's ahead in the polls. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. Now, well, there's I mean, there's a lot of places where they have 51 percent of the vote who are now on board with the wokeism, and therefore they don't have to keep it hidden anymore. They can just be blatant about it. For example, the left coast. Um, I have some stories in here about election fraud, as long as you bring that up, like the L.A. County issuing ballots, 2000 ballots that were issued by L.A. County where Trump wasn't even on the ballot. Wait, is that bad? Was well, Kanye? Uh, was Kanye I mean, though? I mean, if you assume anybody in LA wanted to vote for Trump, they weren't actually given the option. They're probably uh, all voting for Kanye. Uh, you know what? I I'm fine with that too. Um, or uh, the judge in Allentown, Pennsylvania, who was indicted for uh, she was given the task because she's a judge of uh, counting ballots and was opening and changing them before <laughs> putting them into the. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't really want, you know what? I, I don't want to talk about the fucking election anymore. We've done too much of that. And this isn't even supposed to be a, a show about that, but I, 
you know what the strategy is for here's here's the problem here in and and we've been perpetuating this as much as anyone uh, all of these election fraud stories are actually feeding into what i believe is really the strategy of the democrats and that is um they know i they, they, the, the dnc they're not as stupid as they look no and i, 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 agree. I know that that's a low bar but <laughs> well, yeah, they realize Schumer. <laughs> they realize that the polls aren't what they need and that they're they don't have the chance that they think you know they they don't they realize that Biden doesn't have that huge a chance of beating Trump in a fair fight. Um so obviously the solution is the strategy is you don't want a fair fight. And I don't think that it's even within their power to hijack the election in enough of the country to actually swing the electoral college no because that's the interesting part the place where they have boots on the ground are you know california yeah, they already have Chicago. the votes yeah right you have but, the vote so now how do you but get here's it? what they can do here's what they can do if they fuck up the election badly enough then the electoral college won't go through the presidency goes to a vote of the house they control the house they can appoint biden i mean harris well, that I think, I think is their strategy. I think their strategy is to fuck up the election badly enough, and and in doing so, what you do is you promote election fraud everywhere. Right. Uh, you make sure that you're you know the Democrats still control the biggest propaganda machine in the world, which is the American media. Um, you make sure to sow doubt and discord. You make sure that nobody trusts the election process. You take all of these old ancient process. You know the 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 longstanding processes of voting in person that nobody or that everybody believes is generally okay. You upend those and institute brand new, completely untested processes in the, like the mail in everywhere. Uh, you, you know, you institute mail in by with the excuse of, Oh, it's not safe to go to the poll in person because somebody might've sneezed on the voting machine or something, you know, well, never but mind you see, that. that goes right back to your mail chastity thing. Cause that takes rid, it gets rid of all mail in. And so you undermine American confidence in the election. I mean, it's, it's kind of the color revolution playbook. You undermine American confidence in the election. You make it so that people don't trust the results that come out early. Um, you, we, we've talked about before the idea that a lot of these states are now saying, well, we're not going to post election results until a few weeks later to wait for mail-in ballots to trickle in. Um, if if you delay long enough, then what happens is the electoral process goes on and your state hasn't appointed electors. Um, oh, gee, what happens if what happens if, for example, California doesn't push 45 electors out to the Electoral College? Well, then maybe they have to go forward with a vote and there's 45 fewer people out there. Um, the, the whole result is if if there's no confidence in the election, they can't get the electors appointed in time. They can't get. Uh, you know, the, the, a lot of states are going to have their electors are going to be delayed choosing by court battles about people saying, well, this was not a legitimate election. Uh, the, the court battles will last long enough that ultimately the time to vote will come and Trump won't have 270 electoral votes. Wait, are you telling me that the group, the Democrats, the left who have all been screaming up and down for the last three to five, six months, whatever it's been. That mail-in voting, there can be no question about its integrity. 
There's going to be no voter fraud. If Trump wins, those are going to be the same people going voter fraud. Fuck yeah. It's going to be so quick. Your heads are going to spin. Oh, it's going to happen. Absolutely. And like I said, the, the entire strategy is you cause enough chaos and, and enough uh, uncertainty or, or doubt in the election process that when the time comes for the electors, you don't have 270 votes because they know damn sure Trump is going to get more votes in the Electoral College than Biden. That that is practically certain. Biden is even less popular at this point than Hillary was. And <laughs> but, that's but he's saying less, something. He's less hated, though. He's less popular. He's less hated, but he's also uh, people are looking at this going, he doesn't look like a good. He doesn't. He's not a president. The. But, Anyways, yeah, like I said, I think that their strategy and and you can quote me on this and you would laugh at me if it doesn't happen. If it doesn't, I'd be totally OK with. But their strategy is make it so that you don't have 270 people stepping up to vote for Trump because the number of votes for Biden is not the problem. It's can we cut down enough electors that you know Trump only has 265, even if Biden only has 12, if Trump only has 265. He doesn't have enough. The vote goes to the House and the House appoints Harris as president. And that won't cause any problems whatsoever. I believe it was a Gallup poll that just came out today. Fifty six percent of the people that were polled felt they were in a better place today than four years ago. I mean, we've just gone through how many yeah, well, months of a those pandemic. are all the Californians who left. That maybe all the Californians that are like, yes, I'm in a much better place. But that bodes well for Donald Trump. And breaking news, sad news. New York Yankee pitching legend Whitey Ford dead at 91. There have been a lot of Hall of Fame players. Dude was pitching at 91. He should have been, man. He could have probably been out pitching a lot of those guys that are out there now. And I do want to point out, too, I've been following since douchebag Pat over in the troll room pointed it out ever since we talked about Spotify. The stock has been going down minute by minute. So, I mean, the power of the press. It's the, no, this is all cold acid enabled Kirby. Oh, they're hacking Spotify from Pol- oh. No, they left Spotify. That's why it's crashing. Well, word got out because we talked yeah. about it. Damn. <laughs> but they're, I mean, they're yes. probably trying to get a hold of Bill Gates right now, thinking it's actually his podcast. <laughs> it's like, Bill, why did you leave us? Bring your show back. We need you. We need you. And be like, well, okay. Um, all you need to do is convert all of your ads to my vaccine ads, and uh, <laughs> we we can make a deal. I tell you, it's only going to get worse going up to the election. All of this social media stuff is just going to get worse. We talked about deep fakes. How long ago on both random thoughts in here on Grumpy Old Ben's? I would expect to be seeing a lot of deep fakes over the next few weeks. The the thing that I took away from the vice presidential debate was what I've been saying for the last few weeks, which is everything they're throwing at Trump has already been disproven. And the fact that they keep throwing stuff out there like the fine people on both sides thing that he's you, never you disavowed white supremacists. You just use that word fact. I yeah. don't think that Democrats think it means what you think it means. I, but the average American person, I think, does. And I just don't understand how that that if that's all they have, that's also a very telling thing. But I guess we're going to find out how ignorant the American populace is or just how corrupt the voting can be. 
That's what I, we're going to find out here in 2020. I, I'm just saying it never pays to bet against the ignorance of the average person. <laughs> That's why you need to be an expert. That is how you elevate yourself above the regular riffraff that's out there you can tell if you just that's the new litmus test if you run into somebody and they say something that's a little stupid you go hey you listen to grumpy old bens if they say no just walk away from them don't even talk to them they're not an expert or, or hit them in the mouth right hit them in the mouth say check out this podcast not, not literally i'm referring to the no i'm not i'm not advocating violence here the no agenda term for hitting people in the mouth is introduce them to your show and convert them and brainwash them into your way of thinking. I mean, you know, convince them. Douchebag Pat says now that I've mentioned Spotify, it's going back up. So wait, you talk about Spotify. Their stock crashes. I it talk about it. It goes it. up. I think we have a way to, an exit strategy here. I the question is, how can we monetize this? Who who do we need to contact to pay us to move the market in ways that they need us to? Well, I'm just saying you talk about it until it's super low. And then I put my money in Spotify and I start talking about it and then it goes Good up. Work. Do I get any of that money? Sure. I'll give you okay. I'll give you a finder's fee. But we do have some experts for today's show. Special oh. <laughs> show. I, I thought you said you'd give me a fiver. I'm like, deal. <laughs> you're like, that's fine. That's more than I was expecting. That's uh, that's absolutely perfect. Um, coming in, and this is something we've never, you know, done before because we really never, I guess, paid attention. But I mean, no agenda does, and of course, it's it's a big thing over at the No Agenda podcast because they're up to episode like a billion. But for episode one hundred, we did have one one hundred dollar donor, so that's like a show special, you know, celebratory kind of thing. It's like you're in the one hundred club, and that was that, that the. Is that the best little girl yay we can do without like sound effects and a, and a uh, you know, a springboard oh, I, here to push? I, my my voice is already I sound like a little girl. So I just yay! had to, to do the woohoo. Eric VM, 100 bucks. Little note, 100 episodes, three exclamation points. So he's excited about 100. I'm excited about 100. You guys are great and deserve prime rib dinners with a juice and horseradish. I mean, I. I'd go oh, for that. Let's not splurge here. Um, <laughs> you're like, I'm just going to go for a burger. You know, you know what? Uh, uh, whiskey and cube steak. Yeah. I mean, whisk, everything's better with whiskey, too. He says, keep them coming. Expert Eric in the Valley. We appreciate that. Coming in next on the list, Gary Blatt with 6660. So I don't know what the 666 uh, significance may be. Uh, yeah. uh, he, he's he's telling us that uh, we're being influenced by satanic forces. Uh, it's 2020. We already knew that. Thank you. He's maybe just tuned into the Bemrose religion of choice. I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe he tuned into my uh, totally unhinged and totally unpublished rant from last Monday <laughs> when you were when you were under the weather. Was wait, was there Satanist thing going on? I didn't that I missed. I, I you need I, to hear this. I don't remember. I need to get I, that. I said unpublished. Nobody will ever be able to confirm where whether or not I talked about anything. I need to get that butt recording so I can put that out as extra special bonus material. He says, wow, 100 episodes. I mean, yeah, we feel the same way. 3330 for Darren, 3330 for Ryan. I really appreciate the grumpy conversations. Well, if he appreciates the grumpy, you should probably be getting a little more than, you know, it should be a little more than half and half. I mean, you definitely bring more of the grumpy to the show. Oh, not today. Today, I was so happy. I just couldn't get angry about anything, which probably ruined the show. Jay Inslee. Jay Inslee. Jay Inslee. <laughs> Fuck that guy. Coming in next, using the Bitcoin, using the comic strip blogger donation amount. 
of 0.0033 Bitcoin is fellow podcast host, fellow expert who actually co-hosted an episode of Grumpy Old Ben's when you were off camping or glamping, whatever it is you do. Our buddy, Sir Spencer of the Bowl After Bowl podcast says, congratulations on 100 episodes of Grumpy Old Ben's. Find attached a congratulatory message from Dame DeLorean and I coding karma and appreciated coding karma appreciated as I prepare to head to full stack web development this month. So do you have like a coding karma? Do you have like, we need a sound effect or do you just, you I, just- I don't have any coding karma. I mean, if I had any, I'd probably be using it, but I'll give you an yeah. attaboy and, and severe condolences for having to go full stack. So what you're saying as an out of work coder, you probably shouldn't be wishing coding karma onto Sir Spencer. So, you know, I'll give you yeah, coding you, karma. You don't want- you don't want any of whatever karma I've got right now. <laughs> just give him a little, just give him a little, little girl. Yay. And we <laughs> wish coding karma. You do that way too well. I practice in the mirror. And he also says, go podcasting. That's we are right now. Sir Spence, Sir Spencer Wolf of Canvas, Kansas City. What does it mean to be the wolf? Canvas City. <laughs> Canvas City. He's, he paints a lot. So he needs a lot of canvas. Um, I, I don't know. Full stack. He just, you know, does graphics in JavaScript. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Programmer joke. A web developer. And I didn't realize I saw that he went to journalists. You know, he actually took some uh, Dame DeLorean actually graduated from journalism school or, you know, with a journalism degree. And he started as a journalist. So, I mean, I don't know. Sir, I can't really see Sir Spencer. Well, you know, I guess I can't see him breaking the hard news. I don't know. Um, I mean, podcasts are are the last bastion of real journalism these days. Yeah, well, that, you're not, that is you're true. not going to get any from the TV. That is true. Bill O'Reilly keeps saying the same damn thing. It's like I'm glad that guy's not on under the corporate media thumb anymore. It's fun to see somebody come from yeah. that world and then blast that world. Uh, one of the it's one of the reasons I got drawn into No Agenda a long time ago was it was looking at okay. These are two guys who've spent enti- already had entire careers in the media industry, and now they're not fettered by anybody telling them what they can and can't say. And I don't know what it is about people, but as soon as you tell them you can say anything you want, they fucking do. Right. <laughs> right. It's like, oh, this is liberating in a way that I never realized that, you know, nobody's going to be. You know, uh, your, your job's not at risk, which is, you know, the whole no agenda concept and just what we're doing here, the value for value model. There are no advertisers for our show. So if somebody doesn't like what we say, they can't go to, you know, whatever company and say, well, we don't want you to sponsor them anymore because they're bad. Yeah. What, what, what are you going to do? Condemn us to a life of toiling in poverty? We're already podcasters. <laughs> we are. We're already there. So that that system doesn't work. And it has to be pretty cool all the way around i mean it's cool for us and we're just a very small show on the scale of things bill o'reilly and the guys you know like adam curry and john c dvorak at no agenda to have so many people that are supporting the show bill o'reilly made a comment to dennis uh uh, dennis not leary dennis miller (laughs) two different uh, comics there two different concepts but he was on dennis miller's podcast and he mentioned at the start of the year his little media empire at BillOReilly.com was valued at $5 million. Now, like three or four weeks ago, it was $25 million. So, I mean, that's a big jump in just a short period of time. He's been talking so, about the millions of people listening now. 
is is that i i mean i've never heard of anybody making money on podcasting i i don't know i I'm, i just whenever i hear somebody making money in podcasting i'm like oh so where, what are you getting under the table where's your graft you know it all depends i mean i think that uh adam curry and john c dvorak have been very clear that they're making a full-time yeah. living on the no agenda yeah, they show are, actually they are exactly who the rest of us on the network want to be. Yes. Well, that is the the what you would call that's your that's your step. That's your building blocks. That is the that is the map that we want to follow. Sir Matthew, make that map. That is what we're looking <laughs> to do is to go from point A to point B. This is we needed a Sherpa to figure out how to do this. And yet it. it for a lot of people, it doesn't make sense. And I think everybody, when you're starting a podcast, if you're looking to do it seriously, and I think we both are when it comes to grumpy old Ben's, I don't know if we're in the mindset yet to where this is going to be a full-time job possibility. I mean, we know there's a possibility of that, but that's still kind of in the future. That's pushing the model a little bit because where we have a whole lot of great experts who have donated, but there needs to be a whole lot more to make it a full-time job. But with that said, I think we're a lot closer to that than most people realize when you start a podcast, you're just usually happy if like your girlfriend and your parents maybe listen to the show. And <laughs> I, I can't get my parents to listen to the show. The last thing my mom said to me when I talked to her was, uh, I, I mentioned something from the show and she's like, yeah, you've always been the conspiracy theory guy. Thanks mom. <laughs> Fuck you too. So she's not uh, sending you any anonymous donations in the, nope. uh, for, for not grumpy the- old Ben's. <laughs> but I mean, I remember the first time and it happens with regularity. Now the first time we got a donation from somebody and I'm like, do you know who this person is? And you're like, no, I'm like, I don't either. It's like they're somebody we don't know. Listen to the show and likes it enough to donate and that is it's a big deal and i have said from day one with any of the podcasting getting a small audience is the roughest thing going from zero listeners to a thousand listeners i believe and i could be totally wrong but i believe it is much harder to go from zero to a thousand than it is from a thousand to a hundred thousand i because Um, we're at almost a (laughs) hundred well i think we're over Uh on the live stream. Oh yeah, well see, there you go. And that we actually is- have uh and Adam likes to point out how many how many trolls are listening. We currently have 94 trolls listening on the stream right now. You know, and no agenda goes anywhere from like 1500 up to on a really good day, 2000. So that is a pretty decent percentage and it's growing week by week, which is a good thing. And I like I said, I do believe it's much harder to go from 0 to 1000. Once you get 1000 people, we know it is the grassroots that push any show that people talk to their friends. Well, hey, I was listening to this. You should have heard what this guy Bembro said. And then they tell 20 well, friends they got to go hear this crazy guy on a podcast and they give them the information. And then that's when they all start listening. Hopefully, as, as I said on the show, when we had Sir Carl as a guest, uh, I, I still believe word of mouth is the only legitimate form of marketing. I would agree. And uh, we got to go to the next guy on the list, which is our buddy, Sir Lee Mofo, who came in with 2525 saying happy 100 and many more. We appreciate that. He's been coming in a lot lady lately. I mean, if he wants ladies, too, that's fine. But he's been coming in we a, all? a lot lately and we appreciate it. And uh, next, we got another. Can you tell who this is from? No. Sergeant Fred. 
Oh, he, okay. He, okay. Well, I mean, he, he has done it in the past, but no, I'm like, um, you, unfortunately the, the shuffling the paper doesn't have a name to it. <laughs> well, it could have shuffling, shuffling paper. What Sergeant, does Sergeant Fred had to say. Now this, I think it's like the third or fourth note and a donation that he has used the postal service to deliver to us. Uh, he says, thanks for having such a great show. I mean, he did send one check for grumpy old men's and one for random thoughts. So I appreciate that. If you're not listening to random thoughts, it's com. He also said he's enclosing another one of his business cards for Sir Bemrose. Now here, Sergeant Fred, I just want to let you know, I don't have Ryan's address. He has never given it to me. I don't think he wants to give it to me. <laughs> I, so I think on this show is the first time I've ever mentioned what city I live in. <laughs> So, I mean, send, it's kind of like the Dvorak and Curry thing. It's like sending stuff to the one P.O. box and thinking it'll get to the other. I mean, I can get it to Ryan, I'm sure. But he has to give me his address. And I don't know. He's very much undercover. He's kind of underground in the uh, in the overall serious sense of the word. You know, now the basement is underground. I'm on the third floor. Oh, well, OK. So you're on your perch now high above the compound there in the left coast. But I'll do what I can to get the business card over to Ryan Bemrose. You're just assuming that we like each other or know where each other lives. Uh, he says also no. this, dona- this donation is to thank Sir Bemrose for promoting and broadcasting the 2030podcast.com episodes on the No Agenda Stream, noagendastream.com. And yes, that is absolutely true. He's the guy that put the show on the stream. And anybody well, that wants. I, I, I mean. <laughs> I'm I'm the guy who gives a show its first chance, but uh, it, it, here's here's the trick, and and this is far more important than anything that I do. You have to make a quality product, and yes, twenty thirty podcast is a quality product, so that's kind of why it's staying there. It has nothing to do with me. What about Rare Encounter with uh, Abel Kirby and Cold oh, Acid? That's the sexual flavors under the table. It has nothing to do with the. Oh, podcast. that makes sense. Sergeant Fred says both myself and my co-host Matt Cox appreciate your show and your deconstruction detail of the issues, both tech and politics. And uh, he also said here, another donation for random thoughts. Keep up the great work and the value of your banter airborne all the way. Sergeant Fred. So thank you, Sergeant Fred. We do appreciate it. And we also have one more. Brian Mosher comes in 10 bucks. Happy 100th episode. Like I said, you didn't think we'd make 10 or no, 20 I, or I, 24. I, you know, honestly, I, 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 well, I thought you were ghosting me on Monday because I so <laughs> show up ready to do show 100. And then you're like, oh, I'm out. And I'm like, fuck, it finally happened. Yeah. I'm like, what we that? I was kind of going along. What was it? Lavish. Somebody that uh, sent for, I think the last show with the note. Hey, I, I know you guys will make it to 100. I was like, screw that guy. We're not making it to 100. <laughs> Ninety nine, I mean, baby. I, I mean, the idea that anybody could stand having a conversation this long with me once, let alone a hundred times, I, there's obviously something wrong with you. I, I really can't argue that sentiment whatsoever, <laughs> and I refuse to do so. I think the conversations have been good. I think we've proven with the evergreen concept. Which we need to push people more. Larry does this over of thatlarryshow.com. Does this better than anybody I know. Which is when he refers to something in an older episode, he points to something specific, like, you know, the episode he sent you back to to hear about his dental horror story. And um, we need to, I guess, push people back to those evergreen episodes 
more than anything else and at least remind people that are listening, maybe new listeners to Grumpy Old Ben's that the first what, like 40 shows or so, mainly one word titles or so that they were on a single topic Uh, that were meant to be evergreen. We did change format partway through and those early shows, uh, yeah, never mind the fact that the you know at least half of the podcasting team were complete novices who had no idea what he was doing. Uh, but um, those topics are the kind nowadays you you listen to a grumpy old Ben's show and it's okay you're you're bringing up stories from well I was going to say current stories but you know stories from last month apparently or recent tech or recent yeah, politics recent stories and and that seems to be what we've settled into because we can definitely talk about and and provide opinions and and I like to think that I'm providing evergreen opinions using current stories as a jump off yes but but the first 40 episodes or so were just rants that the, you know were a lot of them were based on rants that I had had brewing for years and years and just like this is shit that is always needing you needed to be bitched and ranted about and this is so we yeah and i still say the minimum wage episode was one of a one of the big turning points i think for me you know just even mentally going wow i didn't know that myself and this is not only bringing value hopefully to everybody listening but it's bringing value to us to understand the world around us a little bit better, why things are happening and where things are going, because you have to understand history. If you're going to try to have any guess about where things are going, which is why, of course, there's a lot of people who don't want you to know or understand history, but hopefully the media deconstruction that we do and carrying along with what no agenda is doing and the information we're bringing here on Grumpy Old Benz is valuable to you. If it is, go to GrumpyOldBenz.com and take part in the value for value model, which is click on the donate button and send some value back our way. There is a QR code for the Bitcoin. Sir Spencer, just use that today. And yay, the money got to us. We appreciate that. And there's a P.O. Box address with Sergeant Fred you. So here we have an episode 100, all the different possibilities for people to show value all in one episode and you can go over to our patreon page too if you're on patreon already it's an easy way to do it you can give us any amount on patreon monthly there's no set levels or anything over there just patreon.com slash grumpy old bens and of course we want to hear from you and you can do that via email darren d-a-r-r-e-n or ryan r-y-a-n at grumpy old bens and of course you should be following grumpy old bens on twitter even though we all hate twitter I, I'm sorry, I'm not going to do that. Well, you don't have a Twitter account. Somebody signed yes. one up under your name and then was immediately banned, which is really what would have happened if you would have did it. <laughs> yeah. For all I know, that was me in a drunken haze. Yeah. You signed up for a Twitter account, posted one tweet. Fuck everybody here. They were like, nope. <laughs> Pull the yeah, I, and, and I just want to say that they were pretty slow if they had to wait a whole tweet. Yeah. Well, they should have realized they should know better. But everything's listening to you anyway. We don't need you on Twitter. You're remote control for your televisions listening to you your cell phone what if i had turned it on in the last 10 months the microphone you're using right now which like like, i think like this has been like five or six times comic strip bloggers like what microphone is that that ryan uses i've given him the link like 14 times it seems i'm and i I gotta tell you i don't trust this microphone i think it's listening to everything i'm saying oh that's not like a conspiracy theory you are the conspiracy theorist and the grumpy of grumpy old Ben's. I mean, I guess I'm just the old part. Yeah, that's depressing. We should just end here at episode 100 <laughs> and never speak of this again. 
Yes. Let let us never do episode 100 again. Yes, we are. Up, um, what's it uh, to infinity and beyond, as they said over in Toy Story. You got anything else? Let's, let's just aim for 101 first. Just want to just if we can just it's like one step at a time. We can do it. Yeah. And uh, Sir Spencer said he would be happy to let us know what it means to be a wolf. Maybe that's some bonus content there, too. We can add that to what you did or, on the or stream. He's offering to infect you with lycanthropy. I'm not sure. With what? Like lycanthropy? What is that? Never mind. I don't understand. It, it's a geek reference. Go ask. Go ask Bill Gates. <laughs> okay, I'll ask Cold Acid right after the show. Well, we want to thank everybody for listening to these first 100 shows, and we hope there are at least a few more in the tank that we can uh, that we can hobble together and and go at least a few more. We don't. Uh, we never set a goal. Well, except for the fact that you said through 50 would be beta. We, it's really hard to go. Well, we should we should hope that we can do this for one year, two years, whatever. No agenda is the like the kid in school when they did the grading on a curve. The kid that always got a one hundred. You know, I mean, that was the asshole that everybody. Oh, geez, uh, when you when you follow in the no agenda footsteps, I mean, really, how do you even set a bar when a show's been around? This is what now going into their is it like their thirteenth year? It's it's been a long. A long road for no agenda, and uh, I'm 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 not going to compare myself to that bar. I'm satisfied just drinking at that bar. Just give me a little bit of Irish whiskey, and I'll be happy. With that said, until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America, just outside of Chirac, where if the Orange Man wins, the barbecue will be going all night long. And from America's left coast, where, according to the Mathematical Association of America, math is racist. I'm Ryan Bemrose. (laughs) 